Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. My name is Michael Zalavari, and we are back for season 2023. That's right, we're now up to eight seasons of this thing. It's been a crazy ride, and we're still on it once again. And joining me, of course, for the first podcast of the year, I have with me Chris Washer 97 Hello, Chris, welcome back. Oh, it feels so good to be back, and we're recording this, what is the, today's the Tuesday, and we get the war this upcoming weekend. Oh, it's going to be so great, and plus we got racing action on top of that, which we'll cover later. Absolutely, and it's cool to have, for the first time on the podcast, someone brand new to us, uh, Mr. Josh Cronin. Uh, you might know him better as Jeb the Rebel in the Discord. Good morning, well, for you, good evening, Jeb. Hello, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, this is... Uh... It's a big honor to be on the prestigious endurance chat podcast. I love how I sound like I'm reading off a script from like, you know, when they get, uh, what is it? Like they get like a, a sponsor from IMSA to be in the booth and they're just like, oh, you know, I'm so glad to be here at the IMSA <laughs> WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, <laughs> Michelin Raceway Road, Atlanta for the Petit Moss season ending endurance race. And it's like, you've clearly never seen a race from this series in your life. Don't pretend. But I have, I have in fact listened to an endurance chat podcast before. So hello. Yes. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Just uh, for those who haven't uh, been in the Discord for a while or not sure of, uh, don't recognize your name, just give us a brief TLDR on who you are, what you do, and why we care. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm a little bit of a lurker in the community, so you guys don't be familiar, but hi, I'm um, <laughs> Josh Cronin. Uh, no, let's be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not a lurker. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the mods in the Discord, uh, former Discord user of the year, uh, which is uh, framed on my wall in a gold frame. No, it's not. No, but I, I am active in the community. Uh, just one of the moderators I like to think that I'm the, the resident uh, uh, loser. Yeah, uh, but I, I do. I was going to say I was going to yeah. say the resident lumberjack or the resident Canadian, but you know. Yeah, based effectively, yeah. Which is especially because you guys are listening to this through an audio mean, you will definitely notice the Canadian accent. Uh, no, but I, I, I do have some real world race experience too. Uh, just like Flood, I'm I'm also a marshal. Uh, but I've worked with multiple series, uh, particularly at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. I've worked with IMSA, which is uh, it's it's a fun experience. They're they're interesting people. Um, but yeah, so I'm just a big fan of endurance racing. It's basically my passion. One of the only things that I actually do basically is watch racing. So uh, one, in addition to being good at talking, when I was offered a position to exclusively talk about racing, uh, I, I, I was in fact interested. Believe it or not. It's wonderful to have you on, and we're going to get uh, yourself and M.W. Clarkson and maybe even a few other people on for a marshalling uh, chat uh, one of these days. That will be interesting, actually, because if there's one thing that I've learned about marshalling is everybody does it does slightly it different. Even if, even if you're even within the same track, every corner does it slightly differently. Yeah. Typically, I mean, 99 percent of things the same, but it, I don't know, it'll be interesting. I look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Rounding back to what we're talking about today, guys, it's Daytona, baby! We're we're here, we're finally here, we've been talking about the 2023 season, the convergence between IMSA and WEC regulations, we've been talking about this for years and years and years, and finally, we are at the precipice of convergence. How exciting is that? We're finally here! It's definitely going to be an interesting new era for sports car racing. I'm like, honestly, this really is the time to onboard all your friends into sports car racing. 
Uh, I don't I don't think it's a secret that not everybody wants to watch 8, 10, 12, and 24-hour races, but <laughs> at least if there's a lot of top-class cars that are brand new with a whole bunch of cool paints on them, it will it will at least keep them interested until hour three. Um, and then and then the crashes will keep you interested after that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That every once in a while you got you got to keep they keep you on your toes. And and Chris, uh, we're, we're starting off, of course, with the Rolex Twenty Four at Daytona, and that's an event that you've actually been to a few times. Just give us a bit mm-hmm. of a, an idea of what it's like at the track for for the Rolex. It's such, it's so larger than life, and I've only been there after that huge um, Daytona Rising project was completed. Uh, it, it, it's it's just crazy because you're sitting there watching sports car racing, you know, the race that you've been watching since you're like seven, six years old, and then you're sitting in these grandstands, which if you don't know anything about the Daytona grandstands, it's basically like a sports stadium where they have concourses, they got like sofas and TVs around the entire complex, fresh, like concessions all over. They weren't open for the Rolex, but I imagine NASCAR, they're pretty busy. Um it's just a huge, it's like a sports stadium in there. And then you get a completely different atmosphere once you go underneath the track in the turn one or turn four tunnels. And you get, you know, you know, there's the camping. Obviously, you don't get that. It's not as big as Sebring. Um, but, like, you get the infield. It's more, like, uh, grassroots. Um, there's, there's uh, I believe, the merch tents are there. Um, and it's just, the only frustrating thing was the... If you're in the infield, there wasn't that much TVs. And as a person who, like, I want to follow the race and know yeah. exactly what's happening. It was, uh, but basically, they have, like, a TV in the fan zone area, which you could barely see if you're on the grandstands from the International Horseshoe. And then there's the TV that is on, I believe, was was it called? Turn 6? Basically, on the final corner before you head into the... Uh, uh, Speedway one, but yeah, it's 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 very larger than life, and I only been there once, and obviously with my first time there, it was just just a, just an experience that I took in. I probably only slept like three hours of the entire race. It, that's how like enthralled I was. Even though twenty twenty may have been not one of the most um the better editions of the race, it, it, I was still like enthralled and like entertained and uh, captivated by the whole scene. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, something that I remember hearing Kiwi Chris talk about was that, uh, just the, the sound that reverberates off the banking is just something else. Especially in the grandstands too. It's so loud because, um, you're just in a metal sarcophagus <laughs> and, and it's just like everything just reverberates and just even under safety. I remember, um, I was, you know, as a little 19 year old, you know, lad. So I had to poke a little fun of my aunt stuck in the north with all the snow and cold. I was like, hey, I'm in Florida. And then all she could hear was, you know, just car sounds. Well. Safety car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's just crazy how much the sound just goes around the place. That's uh, that's cool. Uh, I, I'm really, really excited that you had that experience. Um, I Hopefully one day we'll all get together at Daytona and we'll all experience that. Um, Jeb, I know that you've got some friends Hello. in the marshalling. Uh, well, I mean, you're a marshal yourself. You, you mentioned earlier that yeah, there's... Marshal, by the way. <laughs> really? You don't say. Um, you mentioned earlier that there's some, some particularities about marshalling at the Rolex 24. Um, just let us know a bit about what it's like what it might be like to to be you know marshalling at the posts on on a race like the Daytona 24. 
Yeah. So, uh, so here's the interesting part. I, I was actually I'll let the secrets out of the bag or cats out of the bag. I was actually supposed to do the event this year. Oh. I ended up not. I ended up not doing it due to uh, the financial situation and the slight issue of I forgot to get a passport, um, which severely inhibits my ability to fly internationally. And uh, so, but anyways, I have friends who've done it multiple times, so I like to think that I'm qualified. Yeah. So marshaling any 24 hour race, which Clarkson can attest to as well, is interesting because. You have to work in shifts, um, which, I mean, obviously, even still marshalling for six hours straight or eight or however teams do it, uh, it, it that's the other fun part, too, about marshalling a 24-hour race is that it, you guys kind of actually get together on, like, the Thursday and go, all right, how do we want to do this? There's no actual set shift schedule, uh, at the very least for the Rolex. Um, so, and that's so that's interesting because you can kind of work with each other and come to a consensus and make everybody happy. But it, it, it's it's very interesting. Uh, some of the other, well, I'm trying to think of some other neat things behind the scenes that I can tell about marshalling. Not too behind the scenes, but you know what I mean? Uh, um, well, you were mentioning before about uh, particularly marshalling on the speedway um, because there's there's actually yeah. a lack of posts around around a lot of the, the speedway. Yeah, so uh, I'll touch on that in a sec. Just a couple of interesting things, particularly with it being a night race. Uh, well, the Daytona you know, doesn't matter as much as, let's say, like a Road Atlanta, which I know people have done, or other night races like Sebring. Um, but one of the interesting strategies, I don't know if you guys have it over in, over in Australia, um, the blue flaggers, what my buddies have pioneered doing, I want to pi- pioneered, somebody's probably come up with it, uh, apart from them, is uh, what they actually do is they wear sunglasses at night. And you'd think like, okay, that sounds stupid. But if you've ever looked at a race car from the front with its headlights on, the lights are really bright. But what the sunglasses allow you to do is, well, A, not be blinded. But B, you can see the sh- the outline of the headlights. Mm. So yep. what that'll allow you to do is, I mean, you, you got to be good to do it. You got to know what the headlights look like. But what that actually will allow you to do is to identify which cars are in which class, or at the very least, which make, right? Yep. You can work out the Porsche headlights aren't a prototype. I mean, until this year, right? But so that's a little bit of one of the peculiarities that is quite interesting. The, the, the blue flaggers, I mean, the main issue is just trying to do anything at night is awful. It's uh, really because, hard, yeah. yeah, because you can't see anything. But also, uh, one of the other funny things, too, is I know people who have marshaled the Rolex for years upon years upon years. And uh, they said uh, what's what's funny, actually, is as a marshal. So they put the marshal worker compound is right next to the bus stop. So it's quite loud, actually. But what that really means is that the instant there's a safety car, all the marshals wake up because it's now quiet. And yeah. they go, hang on. Why is it quiet? So that I actually know someone who missed their alarm and still made it to their shift because there was a full course yellow. But in particular, going back to what you were saying with the banking and all of that, what's really funny is the marshal post, I think it's 7A, is in the middle of the banking. Sorry, in the middle of the bus stop. Uh, they, they have to cover all the way from the middle of that bus stop. For those who don't understand, for, with a marshal post, you have your post and you have to cover everything up until the next post. Mm. But the marshal post that's in the bus stop, uh, the marshal post that's in the bus stop has to cover all the way from the exit of the bus stop through Speedway 3 and 4, through the trioval to turn 1, where uh, the first post is. The first post is basically where, where uh, right after where the grass ends on the inside of turn one. There's a little bit of grass between the pit lane yeah. and the, the track. It's That's right there. That's a huge there. sector. So, That's a huge it's, sector. It's ridiculous. And I, they, six, which is the exit of the infield, has to also cover all the way around to where the bus stop starts. 
Uh, six makes use of sometimes they'll have if they have extra marshals. That's a whole other conversation for the marshal podcast is uh, uh, shortage of marshals. Uh, they'll have what they'll do is they'll basically have a guy stand on the outside or inside of Speedway 1 and 2. I believe it's on the inside of Speedway 1 and 2. And his job is basically just to communicate if there's something that Turn 6 can't see. So effectively, he kind of just... He basically just stands there and watches only the banking. Yeah. Uh, which on, honestly actually sounds quite boring. But that's the that's the particularities of it. Um, you, you do have the advantage of... Because they have the Speedway lighting. They that it, So you at least... It's not pitch black, but it is still quite dark. It, it, it is a very interesting race to Marshall, too. Because you're at Daytona, right? Yeah, like you're absolutely. at Daytona at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and for those who, who maybe aren't familiar, who may be tuning in for the first time, we, we're not just using the Speedway at Daytona as well. There's, there's the the infield. And the infield makes the whole situation a lot more difficult because you're not just looking at, you know, the low drag set up to ping around the, the outside of the Speedway the whole time. You're, you're really having to fight the the acceleration of getting out of those two hairpins and sliding your way through the 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 kink on the inside it's it's not an easy situation and not an easy circuit to wrap your head around is it chris no and i think it it really showed i believe uh, i was watching the 2014 rolex 24 uh, a couple of weeks back and uh, it, you, there was a uh, the battle between the ferrari 458 of level 5 motorsport and uh flying lizard audi and you could definitely tell uh where like one of them was, oh, they're faster in the speedway sections, and once they go into um, the infield, this other car is it's a bit more nimble and go around the, the tighter corners faster. Is it? Is it really neat to see just the differences between cars and see how they handle better and where they excel? Yeah, and it's a, it's an important part of uh, setting up the car as well. It's it's you know one of those great bits of sports car racing that you know different cars have different strengths in different areas. Just before we get into the particularities of this year, I want to talk about some of our favorite Daytona memories because the Rolex 24 is one of those marquee events in sports car racing. It's got a lot of history and it's got a lot of uh, a lot of memories for a lot of people. So uh, the 2014 event, that was one of the first events I watched. And I remember the controversy after that event between the Level 5 uh, Motorsports mm-hmm. and the, I think it was, did you say it was the Ram Racing Ferrari? Oh, uh, f- uh, Flying Lizard. Flying Lizard, uh, yeah. Flying Lizard. Flying Legend Audi in the uh, level five, four, five, eight. Yeah, that was. I remember. I remember that being an absolute uh, manic uh, finish there. Um, what what it was? What are some of your favorite memories? We'll go with Jeb first. Yeah. So uh, the the Rolex holds is a bit of a special place in my heart because a it's. I'm just gonna be 100 percent honest. It's one of the only endurance races in my time zone. But also, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I I kind of got into racing near the end of 2016. Slight aside, my first race uh, that I ever my first real race that i watched when i got back into racing was 2016 fuji which if you know anything about the wc was an abysmal race um and somehow that got me into sports cars but uh so the 2017 rolex was basically the first race that i actually watched not in its entirety i went to bed but uh i actually got yeah but it will i mean you know (laughs) well but but it led to a funny situation this is before i was even in the wec discord i was actually in another uh youtubers discord and uh, I was in the voice chat. Nobody was in the voice chat. So for one other guy joined at some point. And this was at probably 10 p.m. local. And I talked with him for like probably 30 minutes straight, just talking, just casual conversation about the race. So I was asking questions as a new fan. Um, and he just ca- and uh, he said, yeah, man, uh, my brother's in, in the Aston. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, my, my brother's my brother, my brother, uh, uh, my brother's in the Aston. 
I was like, hang on. And it was, uh, what's his name? It was, it was an Aston factory driver, something Sorensen. Oh, uh, Marco Sorensen. It was, Mar- it was Marco oh. Sorensen's brother, Lassa Sorensen. That's hilarious. I was talking with him. I was talking with him for 45 minutes and I had no idea who he was. So that, that was a very funny moment and definitely, that's definitely why the Rolex holds a mm-hmm. bit of a special place in my heart. And for anyone who doesn't know, Lassa Sorensen races in the NASCAR Will and Euro series. What a small world. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, right. I can out niche you, though. He races in Danish Formula Ford. I mean, we're definitely known for going going super niche, so that's that's some great trivia there. Uh, Chris, what about you? What are, you, what are some of your favorite memories? Uh, I think it has to be like 20, remembering 2015, 2016, maybe 2017, like that era, and just staying up all night and just like watching the GT Le Mans train just race each other with rooftop, right? Like I was watching 2015 or 2016 recently and just it just pulled back so much nostalgia of watching that GT Le Mans train just race each other so hard and Falcon being there and, you know, Corvettes and the Porsches and the Bimmers and just, and and the four GTs. It was just, it just, it it just really sticks out to me. That's that. that, Yeah. Not that, not a particular moment, but just like something that's happened in that era. And then we obviously like 2020 when I first went there. But I remember my first Rolex memory was I believe I watched 2007 on Speed, and I remember I remember watching it. But it was one of those one of those things where I remember watching it, but I don't remember anything from it. But that was that was one of my first memories. But my favorite probably has to be just the just the crazy GT Le Mans battles in the night with the rooftop Ray. That's that's a that's a classic. I love like the fact that one camera can do the whole night stint and cover the whole track is one of the unique things about Daytona and Rooftop Ray is a is an absolute legend for being able to to do that and yeah that's an absolute cracker of a, a memory um yeah nice one uh for me I, I just said that I think it was the 2016 race where we had all three classes decided by less than a second and with the with the last stint just coming down to the absolute wire I think for me that was one of the 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 top races uh of of sports cars let alone of the rolex so uh that one for me is one of my favorite memories um but the rolex 24 is actually the first endurance race i ever watched um i, I think it was 2008 i came across a stream of it or a, a broadcast of it and it was when the the brumos porsche won so uh, obviously being a porsche fan i enjoyed that quite a lot and lo and behold what 15 years later here i am <laughs> funny how that all works out uh, this year, this year we've got, uh, we're doing this podcast recording, if it doesn't come out before then, ahead of the raw test. So we don't actually have any concrete numbers in terms of, um, uh, balance performance or lap times, or whatever, but we'll talk about that a little later on. The schedule for this year, um, kind of runs similar to what we've seen, <coughs> pardon me, the last few years, um, where we've got the raw test ahead of the event where we'll see all the cars on track for practice, uh, and qualifying ahead of the race. Um, this weekend, uh, which is a, a bit of a unique thing. Is there anywhere else in the world where you do qualifying a week ahead of the actual race? Or is that just here? Uh, Indy 500. Okay, that's true. Yeah, okay, that's, I'll pay, I'll pay that one. Um, we've also got, uh, MX5, uh, Cup, uh, supporting the event, which is really exciting. Um, uh, that'd be next week, Flood. The yeah. The week after. Yeah, so, so for the actual Daytona 24, so MX, right. MX5. Um, also at the Raw is um, Pilot Challenge, I believe. Nope, that's also next week. Okay. Yep. Chris, you guys probably know better than I am. What, what's going on this weekend? Yeah. 
Right. So it's basically just the, 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 the testing for all the series. And then um, like I, I don't think Mosnik is testing. Um, then you have, obviously, the, the main qualifying, which ends the weekend to set the grid for the Rolex 24. On top of that, on Saturday and Sunday, what you get is two 45-minute races from the VP Racing Sports Car Challenge, which replaced uh, Prototype Challenge. Prototype Challenge doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so what VP Racing Challenge is, is that it's a 45-minute uh, race length where they have LMP3s and GT4s racing each other um, as, as, a class, as classes. And I believe they we have around... Uh, Something around fifteen to twenty entries for that event, which is not not the worst, but not but it's it, it but basically it's just racing for this weekend, and it gives it gets everybody a little, a little hyped for Daytona. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then come to the actual twenty four hour weekend, we'll have MX Five Cup uh, supporting. We'll have the Michelin Pilot Challenge with their headline event, the four hour race on Friday night as well. Um, so that's always a good one uh, to, to have a look at. And I'm sure that there's some names um, in the pilot challenge as well that we'll, uh, that we'll come across. Um, and then, of course, practice and the Rolex 24. So uh, bumper schedule, uh, plenty to be watching. And um, yeah, I'm sure most of that will be streamed on either IMSA TV or something along those lines. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't really watched too much of the support action from the Rolex before. Yeah, so everything, if you're international, um, except for um, the Baltics, um, Poland, Netherlands, or Belgium, and then the, the, like some of the uh, Scandinavian countries, they have like a deal of via play. Okay. That might be just main. That, that, that might be just for main IMSA though. So if you're one of those countries, don't be surprised if you're geo blocked out of main IMSA. But for for the supports, except for the United States, uh, yeah, IMSA TV will be your go-to. Uh, Peacock in the States will have everything. Um, and I believe the Mazda races are actually free for all. So we, nobody should have a problem accessing the, the Mazda races. Nice. So let's talk about this race now. We've got, we've, we've got a new era in sports car racing. We've been talking, as I said, we've been talking about it for ages. Convergence, it's finally here. We've got LMDH actually happening, as in it's, it's, it's actually on the grid. We're, not just that, we've got nine cars on the grid. That's like a crazy way to start this new era. On top of that as well, we've got uh, a further 19 prototypes between LMP2 and LMP3. So there's going to be plenty of prototype action. And then we've got freaking 33 GT cars as well. This is a crazy size field. We've got nine GTD, GTD Pro entries, 22, uh, 20, uh, sorry, 24 GTD entries. Guys, looking at this grid, it's, it's a crazy size to start this new era. And just to think that there's like what eighty cars or something there on that applied, the eight, they had to have a reserve list for this event, which was the first time in uh, since twenty fourteen. So it's just crazy interest, and obviously led to quite a lot of debates online about a particular class, which we'll get to later. Um, and unfortunately, it mean it mean the uh, it mean that we left a certain couple of teams out. Um, but you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, if you have an event like this, that's very oversubscribed. I mean, it's just, it's just bound to happen, but what we got is good regardless. And hopefully people don't, you know, take what we don't have and, uh, use it as sour. Yeah. Know? 
Uh, well, it's a great it's a great recovery for the event because it wasn't too long ago that we were struggling to get grids in the size of forty. So this is this is a, a great sign. Jeb, Je, what are you most excited about in this grid of what is it, fifty something cars, fifty one cars? Well, well, I mean, obviously, it's got to be the two AWA LMP3s. Uh, no, it's uh, in, in terms. Obviously, I'm most excited for for the GTPs. Uh, it's you got to understand from somebody who got into sports car racing through 2016, 2017. I'm I'm not used to having international top tier prototypes having more than like three cars. Yeah. So seeing nine, even just for IMSA, is is very mind blowing. I mean, I'm really just excited for a, a bit of everything, but I, I just I I just want to see these prototypes race. That's that's about it. I mean, I'm going to support my 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 obviously my fat my FAF guys uh, down in uh, down in the GTS, but in terms of the prototypes. Even I was talking with Chris about this a couple days ago. I'm still undecided as to who I'm really going to root for in the top class prototypes. And so I'm hoping that this race will uh, give me a bit of motivation as to who to cheer on. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to quiz you about that later on because that's the, I, I find that really difficult to, to, to fathom, truth be told. Um, yeah, that's the fact that we've got nine cars straight away off the bat for, for GTP is... Uh, a, a bit wild so let's let's dive in to gtp uh because nine cars is, is a great starting point is this like we, we've talked about it we build it it's built as the dawn of a new era is this actually the dawn of a new golden age in sports cars it, you know we're starting off with nine cars we're expecting to see you know lamborghini enter gtp at some point as well with an lmdh car uh in the next year or so uh is is this the start of the new golden age? Will we be talking about this like we'll be talking about Group C, you know, in twenty years' time? I honestly think we will be. I mean, we're not going to know until it happens. But I, 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 at the very least, worst knock on wood. If this goes absolutely atrocious, and in twenty twenty five we have two manufacturers again, we will at least talk about. Man, do you know how many guys gave it a shot? That's a good point, and we've got. Nine cars from four manufacturers. That's that's a great starting point. Uh, Chris, what what are your thoughts? It really depends. I think, obviously, on face value, you take a look at all this manufacturer interest. You take a look at all the cars that, you know, obviously it was a very slow start to get here. You know, three cars in the debut hypercar race. Um, but now we got, you know, 2023 LMDH is debuting. Uh, debuting. I mean, we got more than 10 cars in the WEC full season entry list for the top class. Although, you know, how many of them will run the full season? That's going to be another question. It, it, so on face value, take a look at all this interest in all these cars. And yeah, I would I would consider it in, a new entrance into a golden age. Um, obviously, there are some people a little bit sour, but the whole BOP and how, oh, you know, they don't get to push technology anymore. They don't get to win races by 30 laps anymore. And it's like, I don't know. I I, I I get where they're coming from. They want to see the you know the, the technology be pushed, but like I don't know. I think we would I would rather have this than what we had for the last couple of years. Yeah, I I tend to agree. Good racing is its is is the priority. I think for the for the most part, and you know nine cars in the top class will will give that you'd hope. Um, of course, we haven't actually seen these cars on track yet together, so we don't have any times to sort of compare uh, compare them. But if you if you're not, I'm not sure on whose the entry is, we'll take you through. Um, we've got two cars from uh, Cadillac Racing under the Cadillac Racing banner, which I think is uh, uh, 
I'm not sure actually who's running that because I know that the the wheel and engineering uh, car is being run by Action Express, Express, which is the third Cadillac. Chris, yep, the Cadillac racing cars will be ran by Chip Ganassi. I was, I just, it came into my head as you were saying it. So, oh, <laughs> oh, of course, because they're O1 and O2. Of course, they're Chip Ganassi. Um, then we've got two cars from Porsche Penske Motorsport, six and seven. Of course, that is a harken back to not just like 20 years ago when we were seeing the uh, American Le Mans series and the RS Spider, but also like 40 years before that with the, the 917 and uh, the whole Can-Am thing. So like that is a very exciting thing for, for me personally as a Porsche fan. Um, Wayne Taylor Racing and Andretti are running the Acuras. Uh, well, one of the Acuras, and then you've got the other Acura being run by Maya Shank with Curve Agajaja. I still can't pronounce that. It's been six years, eight years. Um, so two Acuras on the grid, as well as two BMWs from uh, BMW Team RLL. So that's where your nine cars are coming from. Uh, Jeb, what is the most surprising thing, or the most uh, the the thing that sticks out to you most in this in this nine car field? What is the thing that really grabs your eye? Uh, for me, honestly. I feel like this is a trick question. Or are you just asking my actual opinion? I am actually asking your actual opinion. I like actual opinion. I, to me, it's it's there's two things. I know you said one. I'm saying two. Number one, it's how stacked the Meyer Shank is to me. Meyer Shank absolutely stacked driver lineup. So that car has Tom Blomquist, Helio Castroneves, Simon Paginord, and Colin Brown, which is I'm yeah. excited to see Colin Brown in that car. Truth be told. I mean, just, I mean, what a, it, what a car. There's there's so many big names in it. They got three platinums. They got a gold. It's incredible. What also sticks out to me is equally how stacked the number six uh, Porsche Penske Motorsports car is with Gemini, Tandy, Cameron. At the very least, regardless of what you feel about them, those are the three guys that have been around the sport for a long time. And more importantly, they've been good in the sport for a long time. So I, I in my opinion... It's going down. Who I'm allying with so far, it's between those two. You, you're calling the shots very early. Uh, what about you, Chris? What, what's the thing that sticks out to you most? Uh, what sticks out to me is I know there's some talk about this early on uh, last week. And I, I want to keep in mind that this is what the interest for the roar is. just want to specify that. It's not the final one, so there could be a little bit of changes here there most of it's pretty settled but there could be one or two changes mm. uh to the list from us from this podcast because this is only for the roar as of right now it could change i see colton herta listed for both the 24 and the 25 interesting i did not notice that so why I didn't pick why up on would, that either actually why would uh colton herta be listed in both cars uh more testing time maybe that's possible or maybe or maybe not all that, that that's my small pea brain thinking that's how it work um yeah maybe, maybe that could be the case maybe they're actually gonna have him do you know double duty um i but i don't think so i think well, unless they're gonna announce another driver late uh, it could be a possibility but you know we'll have to wait to find out uh early next week well this, uh, Colton Hurd is probably the name that surprises me most in that the entry list across those cars. It's not a, like I know it's a, a name that comes from IndyCar. That's one of the things about the Rolex Twenty Four is that it's really uh, America's a uh, big American contingent with like a, a sprinkling of international internationality over the top. Um, but of of all the names in that entry list, 
that is the one that I'm least familiar with. And as a result, most, uh, not concerned, concern isn't the right word, but like uh, most ambivalent about, if that makes sense. So it wouldn't, yeah, if if you've got the chance to test in both cars, uh, then that would be, that would be wonderful. And I I think it's no secret that he doesn't have a lot of prototype experience, but like, uh, he has raced with this team before with the M8s and did win the didn't win a Rolex, so they they take they kept them around. I would presume because of that. He's not not that half a bad of a driver. Yeah, fair enough. Here's another bit of reason. Here's another bit of reasoning too. Just just me thinking, you can run the Rolex on three drivers. So is it possible they just have him listed as a reserve in the event that they need to Ooh. replace a driver in either car? Not necessarily replaces and something happens, but as in just hey, you know what? Uh, for example. Farfus is feeling a bit tired. We're going to put Herta in for a stint, something like that. It could be the, it could, he could truly just be a reserve. That's true. He's, he's listed as the second driver on the, uh, the 24 on Wikipedia, but I'm not sure whether or not that, uh, uh, translates to like hierarchy in the team or whatever. That's just based on what, how they're entered. So that, that's a, that's a good point, uh, Jeb. Um, as per as per IMSA's entry list, he is listed as the fourth driver on each list, and that's the only reason I came to that conclusion. Good sleuthing, just, I'm impressed. I'd I'd put the reserve last on the list. That's just me. Yeah, that's that's that, that's that's very smartly done. Um, looking at those entries, can you can 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 you pick a winner? Can you pick anything? What what first of all, what are we going to expect? Like these are the first races with new cars in new chassis as well, because these are based on next year's new LMP2 chassis. Is is there anything that we can expect right now that we're we're gonna put our hat on and say this is probably going to happen? I I think like the the uh, more popular consensus that's going around is that these cars are gonna have trouble. Um, yeah, yeah, they did that Daytona test in early December. Where they had all four of these cars, I believe they had all. Yeah, they had all four of these cars, which was required by IMSA if they wanted to race in 2023. Um, and every you know, te- there uh, there was cars breaking down. There was teams you know fixing stuff, and there was like, oh well, the supply chain, which means that we have to make the they make this last while we can. It's just lots of problems down the board, and the fact that uh, this is according to the Racer Channel which what Marshall Pruitt says, like none of these teams have these cars figured out yet. And if that's still the case come uh, race weekend time, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah. And on that note as well, these guys, these cars are all using the same spec hybrid. So they probably haven't gotten their head around how that works yet and how that incorporates with their power plants and in their chassis. So if, if that becomes an issue, then that'll be a big issue for the teams. So, on that note, how many cars are we expecting to finish from this class, then? Anyone brave? Yeah. Five. Five? So, you reckon about 50% attrition-ish? About 50% attrition. Here's why. They have not tested in the rain. Ah. And these cars have very large electrical systems, which traditionally don't like rain. Also, because I just I'm just feeling lucky. That's my number. Nice. Final answer. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, Chris, get away. I'll go a little bit more braver. I, I'll say I'll say three. Wow, three. <laughs> yep. Because it's Daytona, we gotta do it for Dale. We're gonna do it. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, 
Something I want to throw out there is that a lot of the names that I'm seeing in, for example, the the Porsche and the BMW are guys that have a lot of GT racing experience, but maybe not guys with prototype experience. You know, the likes of Matteo Jaminet, Michael Christensen, Matt Campbell, Nick Tandy. Those guys in the Porsche stable have been racing a lot of GT stuff. Um, and then if you look at uh, BMW, uh, Augusto Farfus, Sheldon Vanderlinder, a current DTM champion. Um, Philip Eng, these guys have been used to racing GTs. So how is that going to translate to maneuvering through traffic at the highest level of, of ability on the Daytona banking? Is that going to be something that might cause issue? Yes. How much? Uh... I mean, obviously these guys are all fantastic drivers and they're used to driving around slower traffic right. in GT racing, but there is an extra level of speed that comes with being in a prototype that you don't um, get in a GT car. And, and Nick Tandy, um, he, he did win Le Mans in 2015 That's at the true. LMP1. So, uh, he'll, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it is a jump, but what I did love to see, or what I did love to see is that these, these brands, they were they were loyal. They're like, hey, you were racing with us so many years. We only had GT cars, like some sometimes only GT three programs. And now that we're moving up, we want to take you along for the ride, and then you know bump up whatever junior drivers they have to the slots they were in, and whatever GT three racing they were doing. I think that's fantastic. I mean, obviously we've seen this with the, uh, which we'll talk about it in a WEC season preview. I'll imagine we'll do with Ferrari yeah. and AF Corsa and how they did it. Um, and just it's just awesome to see that these guys who have just been in GTs for so long finally get a crack at top uh, at top class racing. Yeah, it's very very exciting. I I am I'm thrilled to see an Australian in the form of Matt Campbell in a factory Porsche program. That absolutely tickles me to the absolute bottom of my heart. It's wonderful to see uh, a guy who was racing in Carrera Cup go on to do such an awesome uh, be a part of such an awesome program. Okay, now, favourite part of the show, predictions. Who's going to win in this nine-car class? <laughs> Who's going to win Daytona overall? Who's going to be the first GTP class winner? Who wants to go first? Who's brave? Who's feeling it? Give us I'm a top three. I'm not going first. You, I'm not going first. You're not going first? Okay, I'm, Chris. No, no. I think just from what we know, because obviously Porsche has been the one doing most of the testing that seems like the safe answer. Um, I'm gonna go. I think we're gonna go with the. Uh, I'm gonna go with the six. So that's Dan Cameron, Matteo Jaminet, Nick Tandy as as the as the winner. Do you want to fill out the podium as well? Uh and I'm not gonna put all of my eggs in the basket on Porsche. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Wayne Taylor. Wayne Taylor's always been pretty good around here with the ten. So Felipe Albuquerque, Louis Delatraz, Brendan Hartley, and Ricky Taylor. That's a great lineup as well. Mm-hmm. And then the Action Express has been always hit or miss here. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll bank on the sixty. I'll bank on Acura not having any problems, which is probably going to put me in the uh, put me in the red. Is that that's the right way to say it? Yeah. So that's uh, <laughs> that. As we made mention earlier, that's Tom Blomquist, Colin Braun, uh, Helio Castroneves, and Simon, uh, Simon Paginot. Simon Paginot. Paginot. Simon Paginot. Pagano. So you're going for you're doubling up on the Acuras, Chris. Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's probably a, a very, very bad bet to take at the casino, but I don't know. I like I like them. I, I like the cut of the jib. 
And to be fair, the the team that was be they're being built out of the Orica chassis. So uh, if the current LMP2 regulations are anything to go by, you know that that chassis's got a lot of pace in it. Oh, definitely. Jeb, you feeling brave? You you made a decision. All right, I'm going for it, and I, I I'm hedging my bets. Let me tell you what. I'm, I'm this. These are going to be some big ones because I have some caveats with it. Caveats. Realist- oh, you, we need to get you on the show more show more often. Oh, absolutely. So let me tell you what. Here here's the rundown. Overall. I think it will either be, but if I had to rank it, I think most likely to win it is probably the. It's, I think it's the zero one. Zero one. I think, and here's my reasoning: is so, it's because those guys have been around the Rolex so long, you, a broken clock's right two times a day. Like they just they have to win it at some point. So that's that's uh, the the Chip Ganassi Cadillac Racing Sebastian Bourdais Scott Dixon and Ringer van der Zander car. That's a that's a pretty good shout. I'm not going to lie. And the uh, Chip Ganassi Racing is traditionally just strong at Rolex. Yeah, that's part of my reasoning too. Is Chip's just been around it so much, even with these new cars. Now all of these picks have a big asterisk over them that yeah. says barring technical issue because that is the problem with making these picks for a new era of racing well i mean that's the point right know what to expect i'm feeling the stress man so that would be my overall pick second i'm honestly undecided i think it's either going to be the 60 meyer shank racing yep blomquist braun or brown i guess castroneves pagino or the number six which is the dan cameron tandy Tandy car that chris picked as well and my only reasoning is that the driver lineups are so strong. Once again, Meyer Shank, they've been around it for a while, so I have faith in them. But also with the Porsche Penske team, it is a team it is a team with factory support from Porsche run by Roger Penske. I just don't see how this can go wrong, bar any sort of incident, or the car just dies, or you know, they get caught up in traffic. That's the only way I see them having issues. I don't think that they will be slow. I just cannot imagine it. Yeah, exactly. As you said, it's Porsche, who are renowned for coming into series and winning, and Penske, who are renowned for coming into series and winning. Like, <laughs> that's, that's that's how that works. Um, Yeah, I've got to go with Porsche as well, but I'm going to go with the number seven, because I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, a, Australian about it. Come on, it's, it's Matt Campbell. Um. From that, I reckon I'm also going to go the number 10, uh, the Albuquerque Delatras Hartley, Ricky Taylor, uh, Wayne Taylor racing car. And then I'm not sure. I'm excited to see Colin Brown in the, the number 60. I'm excited to see Pipo Durrani in the number 31, the wheel and engineering car. Um, but I'm not as, as confident, <laughs> pardon me, on their, on their, uh, strength in terms of, um, what I expect from them in terms of results. So I might even go back to Porsche and go with the number six. So that's 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 who I'm picking. Before we move on from GTP, which car do you reckon looks the best? I, honestly, I, people are going to call me insane. Obviously, all of them, I think, look really good. But just from an interesting and unique standpoint... The the BMW is really up there because it's one of the one of the only hypercars or GTPs or however you want to call them, where it's like if you look at that car, you automatically know what it is, like the, like the big sniffers just immediately give it out. It's I would agree. 
pretty wild. I was when we've got the the first renders of the um the the BMW. I was so sure that it was going to look absolutely terrible, and then we got it in livery, and I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing. And of course, with the big <laughs> the big kidney grills in the front, you couldn't mistake that for anything else. Right. Yep. And I, I, that's why I liked it because when you look, take a look at it, like if you show somebody who maybe who's not big into sports cars, like they'll more likely have a chance to know what it is than if you say, "Here's a Porsche. Here's the Porsche. Or here's the Cadillac." See, I disagree. I think the Porsche Porsche have done a very good job of representing their uh their brand identity in the 963 and that's my favorite and i'm definitely not biased at all not even a little bit how dare you even suggest that um but i i think that the porsche looks like a porsche so i'm i'm quite happy with that as well um jeb what about yourself personally it's it really feels lame siding with the the guys who win all the time but i think the porsche looks the best honestly Good it's, man. It's just here now. Here's the key. Hang on. You you made a statement and you said you feel that it best represents their brand identity. I actually disagree heavily. That does not look like any Porsche road car at all. What? But it looks good. I mean, okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, I well, I mean, when the Porsche got released, I went on a full on like. I did a, a full on essay on like all the little pieces that made it look like a Porsche. So I I I think it does very well to represent all the things about the Porsche brand. You know, like the the Taycan uh, headlights and the you know the sweeping snout, which is lifted straight from the ta- the Taycan. The the single light bar at the rear, the livery that looks like it's from the nineteen seventy uh, uh, nine seventeen. Like all those little things to me, I just like yeah, that's 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 Porsche. Uh, maybe I'm just a, a Porsche nuffy though, so maybe they just speak to me, but not anyone else. And and before we jump off at of GTP, just a couple of tiny tidbits. Um, so t- talking about these cars and all the intricacies and differences, if you sub- if you go to the Racer YouTube channel, uh, Marshall Pruitt is currently uploading uh, technical analyses of type. Mm. Right now, they only have Acura and BMW up, but he plans to have both of them. Um. Uh, what is it, Porsche and Cadillac up as well. And also they'll be having a uh, roar test day coverage as well with uh, with our pal Graham Goodwin. Yeah, uh, which would be which will always be good. Um just to round off in GTP, I think the Cadillac looks the worst. I don't I don't like it. I know Cadillacs are by yeah. design blocky and gross, but that looks of of all the GTP cars, that looks the most blocky and the most gross. And, oh and uh JDC Miller and Proton will have GTP entries in the rumored date is Laguna Seca. Yeah. They'll be started today from there. That's, with the Porsche 963s. Yep. Soon.tm. Uh, because, of yep. course, we, we, we couldn't get through to a brand new class without some sort of delays happening. So that's that's, that's GTP. Soon, like, how how exciting is that? We're, at the, we're finally here. We're finally going to be able to see GTP on track for the first time after talking about it for years and years. Um, but that's not all we've got here at Daytona. We've got another... Too many cars to to think about. We've got four other classes, so let's look down the list. We'll go straight to LMP2. 
Another All Orica affair in LMP2. We kind of expect that nowadays. Um, we've got, uh, I think it's eight cars, ten cars, sorry, um, all in Oricas. Uh, a few different teams, a few teams from international as well. So TDS Racing are bringing two cars. Proton Competition are running in LMP2. AF Corsa are running LMP2 car, which is super duper interesting. High Class Racing continuing in LMP2. And then you've got a five-car American field as well. Crowdsite Racing by APR, Tower Motorsports, ERA Motorsports, Rickware Racing, and PL1 Matthias Motorsports, who have been one of the stalwarts in LMP2 for the IMSA series. Guys, where do we where do we start here? There's 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 plenty plenty to look at uh in in this class. Uh, a lot of American names, a few really cool internationals. Uh Chris, where, what's your most what's the one thing that jumps out at you, the most exciting thing about this LMP2 class? Uh, it has to be the Bus Bros car with the with the 8 with Tyre Motorsports obviously. It has to be that. It's, um, it's with, a pretty cool car. That <laughs> got McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden and it's pretty much like a like a indie car special because you also got Kiffin Simpson, who's on the road to Indy. I think he's doing Indy next this year as well. And then you got obviously the guy who brings the money, uh, Canadian John Ferrano with Tower Events. Yeah, that's that's car. That's a car that's immediately going to jump out to people, um, especially since if you follow, if you watch Bus Bros at all, very entertaining show. Please watch it. Um, and they're probably going to be doing an episode, I would imagine, at Daytona. So that should be really fun. And a very big interest from my side of the world as well, because, yeah, as you made mention, Scott McLaughlin, his debut in a prototype. <laughs> that's that's so wild. That's incredible. I'm so excited to see that. Uh, Jeb, what about yourself? What, what are you looking looking forward to in this class? Well, personally, I I have a love-hate relationship with the Aero Motorsports car because they sent me a whole bunch of cool stuff. And it's got Ollie Jarvis, and I don't think it's a secret. The listeners might not know, but I very much am, uh, I would say, a simp for the Mazda program. Oh, and any of the drivers that came out of the Mazda program, yep. uh, which which won the 2019 Watkins Glen 6-Hour and the 2019 Mobile One Sports Car Grand Prix. Brush his shoulders. Uh, <laughs> however, let's be real. Ollie Jarvis is kind of one of the only bigger names in that car, which is why I'm going with the PR1 Matheson. Matheson the, ben Keating, <laughs> Lapierre, he's he's the guy. He, he's they're, they're winning it. They're indie, the IndyCar prototype, the IndyCar car, if you will. Yeah. They're a good choice. I don't know. For me, I'm going with Ben Keating. He, he, I mean, it's Ben Keating. I, it's, like, I don't think I have to explain my reasoning, so I'm just going to say it's Ben Keating's car. Yeah, and if you've been a fan of the show for a little while, you know how much of a, a, a love-love a love, love relationship we have with Ben Keating, so that should become no surprise to anyone. He is just the best personality in the entire industry. And that's that's good enough. And, like, he's in a car with Nicolas Lapierre and Paul Luke Chatin. Like, what could go wrong? Um I'm surprised. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, Proton Competition and AF Corsa running in LMP2. Um, Proton, I would expect, are there as a sort of precursor to getting their GTP car. Um, but AF Corsa, like the fact that AF Corsa are running um, in uh, in LMP2 again, like and that the the, the names in that car as well, like a, a Ferrari factory driver and Nicholas Nielsen. And, uh, you know, the likes of Julian Canal, Matteo Vaxivier, and Francois Perotto, like, that's, that's a, that's a wonderful car as well, the number 88. Yeah, it's, uh, Francois Perotto's first, uh, time at the rodeo. I remember, it was 2014 or 2015 where he was in a, 
uh, GT Le Mans entry, um, and uh, he didn't have that much good luck in that race. But hopefully things will turn around for him. Obviously, he's been racing LMP2s for a couple of years now. Uh, obviously, got a couple of GTE AM champions since uh, championship since then. They got a little uh, math, Matthew Vaccine. This last name's too hard to pronounce. You just call it Vaccine. <laughs> and then we got Julian Canal, which uh, I believe races for Panis and ELMS. And I'd like you said, Nicholas Nielsen, who is going to be on the uh, AF Corsa uh, hypercar drive. Which is that like that's that's a incredibly we're gonna we're gonna say the word it's incredibly stacked it's an incredibly stacked lineup there um for the uh, Italian flagged AF Corsa team with three Frenchmen behind the wheel. Um, what about Proton? Jimmy Bruni and James Allen in that car alongside uh Fred Pordad, who was running last year in the Proton GT E Am car, I believe. Uh, the number I think that was the number ninety. Ooh, it I've, was like a eighty-eight or something, or seventy. It was it was in the uh, well, yellow livery, kind of like a Ukraine flag car. Yes, that it was, wasn't <laughs> uh, that one. That was the one. Yeah, you're exactly right. I've got it on my entry list or, just in front of me. That uh, I'm excited to see uh, Jimmy Bruni at the wheel of a prototype. Uh, I don't think that's happened for quite a while. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and and obviously James Allen. He's been racing LMP2s for quite a while now. So I remember uh, Dragon Speed was like his signature team, I believe. And obviously maybe some other stuff in the ELMS. But obviously the cause for concern here is a little, little, little Fred Pordad, which I don't rate him, actually. I, I, I really don't think he's that good. So I think he's going to be holding down this team a whole lot. Because remember, he was the one that got involved with that Toyota incident at Sebring. He also, I believe, did some stupid stuff at Fuji. I'm trying to remember if that was him or not. So, and then, uh, in, in, de- uh, the- in defense of Fred Pordad, the Toyota thing at Sebring was entirely not his fault. <laughs> I, I, I will, I will go into bat for him uh, on that one. Uh, Jose Maria Lopez absolutely messed that up. He closed the door when there was not a door to be closed. So, it, uh, objection. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I also agree. He's not really that pacey as a bronze driver. And this is his first time in the LP2. That too, as well. As, and, and, like, at all this time, he's only been racing in GTE and uh, racing, I believe, with the right motorsport in GTE World Challenge America. Yeah. So, I'll be honest, this is a hashtag wait and see, but I, I don't have uh, high hopes for, at least with him driving in it. I, I think that's fair enough. I'm more excited about the team being in LP2, to be honest. Um Let's look at some of the other big names in this entry list. Uh, I can spot on here um, uh, in the TDS racing car, Job Van Oetert, who's uh, quite a, been a name that's come up the ranks quite a fair bit. Raffaele Marciello is driving the high-class racing car with Dennis Anderson and Anders Fjordback, which makes me very excited. Uh, then, Ed, Ed Jones in that car, too. And Ed Jones. That's a pretty, that's a pretty cool-looking car. Um, uh, Jeb made mention of Oliver Jarvis, which is quite exciting mm-hmm. as well. Um, there's uh, Christian Rasmussen who is racing I believe uh, he's either in racing in Formula 3 or in uh, Road to India they got Ryan Dial who's just been racing in prototypes in North America for like a really long time now like 15-20 years uh, but that car it has got Dwight Merriman in it which is uh, yeah <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know about that car I mean, I mean officially the entry list says to be determined I mean it's Aero like, Motorsport it's Dwight Merriman <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm a bit of a gambler. I would, I, I could place bets on who I think it's going to be, but yeah, officially we'll wait and see. Um, uh, also we've got Esteban Gutierrez and Ben Hanley in the CrowdStrike cast, so there's there's quite a bit of quality in this field. So it, it's not like these are, are names that are unfamiliar to to people outside of America. These are big names ac- across the field, so it's it's not a surprise. Well, uh, it, even even though it's the LMP2 class, there are there's still a lot of quality here. Um. It, it, yeah, Mikkel Jensen's also in this field. So, like, Mikkel Jensen, uh, Peugeot LMH driver Mikkel Jensen. So, there's there's a lot of quality here. Is this and the most... There's this, also, sorry, is this the most stacked that LMP2 has been in IMSA with, in terms of driver quality? Potentially. I mean, even look, take a look at Rick Ware, which, if you know anything about the North American racing scene, they're mainly taken on as a meme. But, I mean, look at the car. They're doing full season IMSA. But this four-car driver lamp includes uh, Eric Lux, which I believe is the you know the money man, Pietro Fittipaldi, Hickory Speedway track champion, and also raced in Formula One, whatever that series is. Yeah. Uh, Devlin De Francesco, who is an IndyCar driver for Andretti, and then Austin Sindrick, 2022 Daytona 500 champion, uh, and races with Penske uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series. There you and go. he also raced. And he raced the Bathurst 12 hour before. Yeah, I was going to say, did you know that Austin Sindrick's first uh, endurance race was the Bathurst 12 hour? And I think it was 2017 with Erebus Motorsport. Mm, yeah. And yeah. I mean, he raced with Daytona before. He raced with uh, the Fords when they had like the NASCAR guys uh, racing that. I, I, they might be doing the same thing this year. We haven't got a word on it. But yeah, Austin Sindrick is not just a NASCAR her her turn turn left driver. He has lots of experience at the road courses, and yeah, the, the, I mean this is a pretty well rounded LMP. Obviously, you get the pay drivers and the guys who own the team, but apart from that, some really good stars in this field. I will say what I think is funny about Sindrick being in the Rick Ware car is it it shows what Roger Penske thinks of Rick Ware racing that he is willing to release his driver to race for a competitor in the Rolex. I think, I think he, it's, it shows the gap between the two teams is what I'm saying. Yes, they're in different classes, but you know, yeah, <laughs> I think it's all I need to know about Rick Ware. If you're not from the United States. Fair enough. Um, before we get into predictions and what we expect from this class, um, I do want to make mention that having a bronze driver is a requirement of this class. That's why we're talking about, you know, this is the AM driver. This is the, as Chris puts, the money man behind putting the car together. And that's not unexpected. But I wanted to pose the question to you guys. What is the point of having the LMP2 class in IMSA? If we're going to see GTP be the next big, th- the big thing, and we're going to see these, uh, these chassis, uh, being pushed up into the GTP uh, era, the area. What is the point of having the LMP2 class in the IMSA competition uh, broadly? Like, or why why do we have it here? Uh, that's where you get one of your LMI invites. Um, they have something called the Truman Aiken Awards, which I believe those are two are separate. But it's basically those for, for the best bronze driver in LMP2 and in GTD. So, like, um, case in point, you have John Ferrano, I believe, won it last year, so he's going to be racing at Lamar this year. So, the possible, most likely, there'll be a Tower Motorsports branded LMP2 at Lamar. Then you have Ryan Hardwick. Same thing with GT. They're going to be racing most likely with a Wright Motorsports branded GTE Porsche. So it's it's like it's basically 
A, to keep it more in line with the ACO and what they're doing. And, like, there's obviously it – it was a struggle for a while, I'm not going to lie, with LMP2 and IMSA. But now that we're going to have – let's see, what, we have 10 cars in the Rolex, and then most of these – I think Proton and AF Course are only one-offs. But most of these are um, either Michelin Endurance Cup or full season. I, mean, I believe we get at least five of them full season. So I, th- I think I would – as a selfish point of view, I'd much rather have LMP2s than uh, like the LMP3s we're going to cover wait, uh, pretty soon. I also will just say really quickly, because I do feel strongly on the... I have strong opinions on the what is the point of LMP2 and IMSA, if, if you don't mind, Flood. Sure, go ahead. Um, the point of LMP2 and IMSA is because, let's be honest, you cannot go from an LMP3 car to a, an LMDH or an LMH. That's straight up just not happening. There are some tracks where the LMP3s are slower than the GTE cars that we saw. You cannot make that gap logically. It's That's putting people in cars that are too fast, too quickly, and more importantly, the LMP2s will keep showing up to rounds, even not just the big endurance races. The manufacturers love the big endurance races. They absolutely love it, right? It puts them on a world stage. Are you really going to consistently get 9, 10, 12, 14, 16 GTPs at mid Ohio, are you going to get them at Road America? Not really. It's not as drawing. The LMP2 guys, they either have the money to do it, or they're an, a privateer funded team where they just want to do it. The big OEMs, there's no motivation for them outside of those big events. That is the purpose of LMP2. Is yes, they do kind of get in the way of these bigger events like the Enduros. However. You need them for the smaller events, and more importantly, you need them for the development. Josh Pearson, who's probably one of the biggest up-and-coming guys in LMP2, up-and-coming, quote-unquote, Yeah, he, he could not make the jump because he will, I'm going to be honest, he will probably get a very good seat in prototypes in the future. He could not have made that jump if he did not have LMP2s. I, I think that's, that's why you need LMP2s. I, I... <laughs> I think that's a great point, actually, um, in in uh, the reason why LMP2 follows the, the IMSA bandwagon as well. So that's a very good point. Very well made there, Jeb. Um, okay, on, on that note, we'll, we'll do a, a quick prediction then. We've got 10 cars here to choose from. Uh, we'll, we'll have a look at who we reckon is going to win. Then we'll talk about LMP3. Jeb, since you've had a bit of time to think about it, who's going to win the LMP2 class? Well, I wasn't thinking about it, but... <laughs> Uh, honest bets. LMP2 is such a, a shuffle. It, it's such a, it's a bit of bit of a roulette. But honestly, I think the Ben Keating cars. I think the fifty two has it. The driver lineup is too good to not have it. Yeah. So that's uh, I am thinking it's the fifty two. Fifty two. So that's PL one with Ison Motorsports, Paul Lipschitz, Ben Keating, Ben Keating. Sorry, uh, Nicola Lapierre and Alex Quinn. I think that's a that's a pretty pretty good shout. Um, the, the thing is with the 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 LMP2 class is that the silver and the bronze driver affects the pace so much. Um, all, all the pro drivers are kind of interchangeable, but the silver and the bronze are the ones that really have the difference in pace. So you're kind of picking the best the best AM uh, in this instance, and Keating is probably the best AM. Um, what about uh, Chris? What do you reckon? Uh, I, I, I'm going to go with the 35 TDS racing car. Guido Vandergaarder, Francois Herrault, Josh Pearson, and Job Van Oito. That's a that's a really interesting one. I didn't realize Josh Pearson. That's United Autosports. Josh Pearson, right? Yep. Yeah. The same wow. one. The very the young lad himself. The the youngest ever WEC class winner. I think. Possibly. 
believe so. I think it broke that record at Sebring. Yeah, it was Sebring. Yeah, which is pretty pretty wild. Um, I think that one flies under the radar a bit. I didn't really uh, flag that one as as one that could win. Um, I was looking more at AF Corsa. I think that that driver lineup of three very established French uh, French drivers, including Francois Perotto and also uh, Ferrari factory driver Nicholas Nielsen. That that's kind of terrifying. Truth be told. Let's talk about LMP3 then. Uh, LMP3 has nine cars, and in the past, it's, it's, well, maybe not LMP3, <laughs> but Prototype Challenge, which existed prior to LMP3, had a bit of a reputation for being, uh, how do we put it, mobile chicanes. Um, now, this is a very big entry list. We're talking 50-something cars. Nine of them are going to be LMP3 cars. Um, it's... I will pose the question again at the end of this discussion about whether or not LMP3 should be included in this list, but that's a discussion to have afterwards. Nine cars is a pretty healthy, <laughs> healthy field for LMP3. We've got an even split almost between the Ligier JSP320 and the Duquesne M30 D08, which is quite encouraging. Um, so, because previously it had been former Ligier for a while. There's it's some interesting names in here. Um, I want to start with the two Australians in the field, uh, Cameron Shields and Josh Burden. Now, Josh Burden, I know, raced the KCMG Nissan at the at the 2020 Bathurst 12 hour. Well, I say raced. He set the fastest time in practice one and then crashed it and that car was out for the rest of the weekend. Um, Cameron Shields, though, that's a, a, a driver I'm not actually all that familiar with, despite being Australian. Uh, and I believe that's because he's part of the IndyCar ladder. Is that right? Uh, yeah, he's more in line with the open wheel side of things i believe he might have been uh racing with um the australian formula four championship when that was when that existed we had a formula and four maybe, championship <laughs> yeah the very short time it lasted and maybe he did some s5000 races i can't remember but he's been more in line with the open wheel side of things so it's nice to see him uh make the make the start here into sports car racing and and then you got, like you said, Josh Burton. Oh, sorry, I should mention that Cameron Shields is in the 38 Performance Tech Motorsports car, which I believe was one of the teams from that Prototype Challenge era, along with Connor Bloom, Christopher Allen, John John DeAngelis. Then you got Josh Burden, who, like, I believe he usually is seen with... He was around the KCMG guys, wasn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, he was racing the KCMG Nissan at about the 12 hour, where, yeah, as I said, set the fastest time in practice one and then crashed it. And that's, he's in a very good car. Yeah. Like, if you're an Australian cheering for, you know, an Australian to win, this is a very, very good chance. Because the 74 is pretty much dominant. Um, because this is the Riley Motorsports car with the classic orange, very bright orange and um, kind of metallic blue on it. And um, it's Gar Robinson funding the team. And you got Felipe Fraga. Which is a well. pretty good driver. Yeah, that's an understatement and a half. Yeah. Uh, just a quick thing before we get too deep into the uh, the drivers here. There's actually uh, specific rules in LMP3 about which drivers you can have. Um, so you can only have one gold per car. Um, so one gold rated driver. And then uh, you can have, I think it's uh, a certain number of drivers under 30 years old. Um, so that means you've got a, a really interesting mix of like young up-and-coming up right. drivers or drivers who are, are on the way up um, who are still rated silver um, and some former uh, like product, uh, like platinum drivers who are on like 
aging out, so to speak. So one of those, for example, is uh, Joe Barbosa, who's driving the number 33 Sean Creech motorsports car. Uh, and that's like a name from the old Grand Am days. Yeah, and he's been racing with Action Express in the Mustang sampling car, to be exact, for quite, quite a while. Um, and even before, even after the IMSA uh, merger, and obviously he just retired a uh, couple of years ago. And I just wanted to go back to that 74 car one sec. Yeah. You mentioned that over over 30. Glenn Van Burlo is in the car. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the uh, father of Kai Van Burlo, which will be racing in one of the GTs coming up. Cool. Okay, we'll keep that one in the back of our heads. That's a really, really good pickup there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Um, what what other names stick out to you in this list? Anything anything that sticks out to to you, Jed? There's a few. There's a few Canadian cars in this entry list. Yeah, there is. Uh, both both the AWA cars. Uh, I've been a big fan of them. I kind of have to be uh, a fan of the the number thirteen, especially because it's got Ari Fadani, and he's part of the group that is a majority shareholder majority shareholder of Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. So, uh, I people who've been around the Discord will know I often make the joke: if the car doesn't win, we don't have enough money to fund the track. <laughs> um, but but no, he 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 is a great guy. Um, and, and I mean the car. The car can be quick. That's what, that's what I think. That's what I think I would say is the car can be quick. Uh, in terms of other names that stick out, obviously we've got where is he? He disappeared. I can't find him on the list. Jared Andretti, Andretti Autosport. He just sticks out because he's an Andretti. Yeah. Uh, Gabby Gabby Chavez. He went through the IndyCar ladder at some point. Th- those are really the only ones that are sticking out to me, though. I I, I won't lie. I'm not the most well versed uh, in the LMP3 lineups. Uh, I don't think anybody is. Yeah, <laughs> but. It's very much yeah, a, those are just a couple. Yeah, yeah, it's very much an amateur playground. Uh, a few names that uh, stand out to me: um, Lars Kern uh, in the the number thirteen car. Um, at one point, held the production car lap record around the Nurburgring Nordschleife. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, in a GT2, a Porsche 911 GT2 RS. I believe that was him. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a pretty interesting name. Um, Thomas Merrill is another name that I've seen before. Uh, I don't know where I've seen it, but it's a name I've uh, seen. Before. M style LMP two. Yeah, he was one of like. The... That's right. He uh, was the dentist car. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, Timon Vanderhelm is another name that I've seen before in IMSA LMP two in the JDC Miller Motorsports car. So, uh, interesting that that car has stepped down to LMP three. They, they have an LMP3 program. They're also racing in the VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. But this is basically just so they can keep racing until their Porsche 963s get sent. Yeah. Now, before we get into predictions, same conversation we had about LMP2. What is the point of LMP2 in IMSA? What is the point of LMP3 in IMSA? Especially when we've got field sizes this large, uh, is there a school of thought which has merit to say that LMP3 much like in the WEC, should be relegated to a support event program as opposed to being in the main race. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, yes, that is actually a very valid argument. Now, we used to have Prototype Challenge. We no longer have it. We have the BP Sports Car Challenge. But what LMP3 being in WeatherTech allowed was you could directly transfer from Prototype Challenge to IMSA WeatherTech and even better... Quote, quote unquote better depends on who you ask you only ran the endurance races so you had a lighter schedule mm. so basically what it allowed you to do is go prototype challenge you buy your lmp3 you have fun yay 
you run some IMSA races they happen to be the endurance races then if you then it becomes all right are you really serious if you're really serious you can either buy a GT3 or come race LMP2. with us for the full yeah. season or an LMP2 and i think it's very critical with LMP3 to be in that stepping stone because the LMP3 is also a very good transition car to go from GTs to prototypes it's about the same speed, but you have to drive it like a downforce car. That's what I think it's... I think it serves a very important role of getting guys to go from more amateur-friendly GT3s into more pro-oriented prototypes. That's a fair That's a fair point and fair take. Chris, anything you wanted to add? I'm, I'm on the opposite spectrum. I think wow. next year it needs to be scrapped. We have too many entries, like like we saw this year. That like, I mean, I'm not the one that, you know hang on to things that are dead. But I mean, K- KCMG isn't going to be in the GTD Pro class. And that's obviously because they um they, they were only going to do Daytona. And what IMSA does is that they prioritize full season entries and then Michelin Endurance Cup entries. And then they just take anything else after that. Which, so I'm not, I'm not mad about that. It's just, uh, I know why LMP3 is on the grid for this year. It's, so basically when they were fleshing out their plans for 2023 i would say it's safe to say that maybe they didn't have as much confidence as what the top class was going to be and obviously the point of lmp3 was it was it was a filler when the when the, when the class sizes were a little down so on top of that plus you know teams are already making plans for 2023 and they want to make the plans you know they want you know let people know here hey here's what's happening early as possible so you know Teams aren't scrambling at the last minute. But starting from last year, or starting from next year, I think it should be scrapped. I think if they want, if they still want to race their LMP3s in IMSA, they can just go down to the VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. That, that's just my opinion. Because I think it takes away from, you know, G- other serious, or not serious entries. Because obviously people in the LMP3 class are, you know, they're, they're, they're some of them are race. good. Yeah. 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 But it, I think, I think. There, it'll be a better product if we allowed some more of those of those maybe those GT entries and and leave some room for for those. I'm gonna be on the fence. <laughs> Here we go. We got one 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 Jeb on one side, Chris on the other, and I'll be I'll be in the middle. I I think the concern for me is congestion, and I don't mean in terms of scheduling. I mean like on track. So we've got fifty something cars, fifty five cars around Daytona. Which is how how big is Daytona? How big is the track? It's not the hugest track in the world. Um, uh, the oval's two and a half miles, so the road course is a little bit a little bit longer. I, I believe the road course might be about four kilometers, five kilometers. So transfer that over to miles. Uh, no, we're not oh, miles. What is this stupid unit? We're we're talking. Well, I'm, we're using, I'm we're using accommodating metric here. Chris. We're using metric here. <laughs> um. So the 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 road course is. Uh, 5.7 kilometers. So you're basically, each car gets 100 meters of track. And that's, like, that's not a lot. That's not a lot of a lot of track for each car, especially at the speeds at Daytona. Um, the concern for me is that when you get to that, there's a tipping point where there's too many cars. And I think if you take out LMP3, you might see, we might be on the safer side of that tipping point. But if you're, but maybe with, the nine LMP3 cars, you're on the other side of that tipping point, and it might just become 
like you know the first hour of this you know the first six hours of the spa 24 hours where just there's constant crashing because there's so much traffic um and with how imsa does their cautions the the fact that it you know you have these broadly i'm, I'm going to generalize here this is a broad sweeping generalization don't take it as uh, specific about anyone but broadly lower quality slower less confident drivers um around this very high intensity professional race it, you, you end up with incidents and i don't what i don't want to see is uh, a lot of racing being given away to long caution periods because of inf- incidences between lmp3 cars and other classes um we have seen that in the past i think there was one year that starworks took out the gtd leader with a pc car and then retired both of their cars because they were causing so many incidents so i don't want to see that but if they can get through a race if a class this size and a race this size can get through a race without causing too many incidents i'm okay with it being there but i don't want to see it cause incidents and as chris said there is the vip challenge for these cars if they like so there is a place for them to be racing so it's yeah it's a complicated thing i think jeb though your your point about being able to translate directly from the form prototype challenge into WeatherTech and actually find your feet in that i think that's a really really good point so that's not something i'd considered before so yeah good discussion now who's gonna win uh i'll go first i'll go i'm gonna go with the 74 71 yeah, that's yep. pretty, pretty safe bet. What about you, uh, Jeff? Um, I don't know. LMP3 is always an interesting class because it actually is slower or faster than the GTs depending on what track you go to. I and, I've looked at this. And depending on and, who's and, driving the car at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, even just in terms of just like pole position times, which I've compared, it is quite odd. In terms of LMP3s, though... Like I said, I'm not 100% sure. Random number generator, 1 to 9, 7. I think the 74 Riley's going to win it. There you go. <laughs> well, look look at that. I wonder how you got that one. Wow. Um, I actually do think they're going to win it. So, yeah, there you go. I, I'm also going to go to the 74, but I reckon the... <laughs> pardon me, the number 13 is going to be in the mix as well. They're my, my picks. Um, yeah, it really sucks that if they don't win, we're going to have to shut Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Yeah, that, that would be rough. Um, I, I I hope you were able to move closer to another track so you're able to marshal somewhere. That would be that would be really rough for you. And I just want to add one last note to LMP3. We have Till Bechtelsheimer in the 85 car. If you haven't, if you, uh, if you have heard the news or forgot about the news that happened like, what, six months ago? He is the new owner of Lola. Huh, that's cool. Oh right, yes. There you go. What a weird, what a weird collision of worlds. Well, I mean, it's not that weird because Lola is a, an American company, right? Uh, wasn't it? I thought it was British. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I don't remember old sports car brands. What are you talking about? Unbelievable. <laughs> I only focus on new sports car brands, like the new cars racing in GTD Pro. How's that for a transition? I bet you never saw that one coming. Um. <laughs> Uh, GCD Pro, nine cars, eight different manufacturers. This is like an all-out gunfight. And it has been, it always has been. The Pro classes in IMSA, uh, whether that's been GT Lamar or GTD Pro, it's, it's just been an absolute knife fight. We've got here Corvette, Porsche, Lexus, Aston Martin, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Mercedes, and BMW with a second Aston Martin just for, just for fun. This is... This is terrifying. This is this is actually terrifying. This is GTD racing on steroids here. I'm terrified. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. 
it's it, uh, we almost need to go through these entries one by one just to sort of get an idea of what's going to happen here. And then we we get to add the BMW because one of the turn cars moved up as well. Yes, the the number ninety five car I think is the one that's been moved up. Um, that doesn't appear on the entry list on the uh IMSA website, but it does appear on uh Wikipedia at the moment. So uh, if you missed the news, yeah, Turner stepped up. They were going to run two cars in GTD, but they did move one of those cars up to GTD Pro. Uh, so that's exciting times in that one as well. Guys, where do we want to start? Because there's, there's like, I think four or five different storylines just in the, the entries, not a lot, like, not even thinking about what's going to happen in the race. Why don't you just do it in numerical order? Okay, let's, let's do it in numerical order then. So we'll, we'll, we'll whiz through these pretty quickly, but we'll have a brief chat about each. Corvette, uh, here, the number three, um, in the C8R GTD. So this is the GTE card that's been kind of downgraded to a GT3. Uh, does it make sense? Who knows? It seems to work. Um, Antonio Garcia, Tommy Milner, Jordan Taylor, no real surprises there. How do we, and, what do we think? Apple, and just so add an extra note, and I believe this will be the last time this car will race the Rolex because next year, uh, it will be their, uh, GT3 that'll make their debut. Cool. That's, that's actually, so they're actually building a GT3 car? That's kind of awesome. Yep. Nice. And now, I mean, uh, the stars are going to align because that'll also be, I believe, the debut of the Mustang GT3 as well. So we already got a rivalry, and it's not even, you know, exactly a year until the the Rolex. Uh, I hate it. You're just copying copying what's happening in Australian supercars with GM we- versus Mustang. <laughs> like we no, we 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 did it first. You guys, you guys, you guys suck it. V8s at home. V8s, yeah. <laughs> hey, our V8s look mean as anything shut up um jeb i'll let you introduce the next car the number nine all right so the number nine is of course the iconic the the plaid porsche the fat motor sports car let me tell you about this car we got some big names in this we got we got we got klaus Bockler, uh, and i'm gonna be honest i don't know who this guy is but <laughs> we got patrick pile who i could talk so much about him that i'm not gonna say anything because he's good and then we got Lawrence Vanthor, who is uh, a god on wheels, and also, I believe, at the 2020 Spa 24 Hours, uh, fell over on a scooter in the parking lot uh, and, and hurt his arm. But this is, I mean, just Faf, they're Faf. They've won it back-to-back. They're Faf. I, I don't got to say anything about them. They're gonna, they're, but they're not my pick. We're going to talk about this later. Whoa! <laughs> what? Bombshell. Also, how do you not know who Klaus Backler is? He's like a Porsche factory driver. Because I'm an idiot. Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> number 14, uh, Vassar Sullivan Racing, the Lexus, of course, uh, with an all-British lineup, which is very interesting to me. <laughs> You've got Ben Barnacote, uh, who's one of the nicest guys ever going around. If you ever get a chance to talk to Ben Barnacote, make sure you take it. Jack Hawksworth, who's been racing the Lexus in the Vassar Sullivan Racing for a while. And Mike Conway? What? Yeah, this was kind of like a... Maybe it wasn't like an out of left field moment because of the Toyota connection, because obviously Toyota Lexus sister brands or Toyota or Lexus is owned by Toyota. But yeah, this was this was uh this was interesting news to say the least. Obviously, I believe he in the past was racing with the Willen Engineering car. Yeah, obviously that's not the case anymore. So now he's got himself a. Uh, a GTD Pro Drive. It'd be interesting to see how he fares in the GT machinery. Yeah, when was the last time Conway? <laughs> pardon me. When was the last time Conway raced a GT GT car? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh 
I don't know. I, I gotta go way back. Like, it'll have, car. It'll, it'll probably be between this IndyCar stint and Toyota. So do you want? So here's something. Here's a bit of a technicality. Uh, what do we call? So are you just talking like a non-prototype? Well, no. I specifically a GT car because I know the answer you're about to give me, and I think that's hilarious. If someone in the live chat right now could do a bit of research and find a non uh, a GT car that Mike Conway has raced, because this may well be his GT debut. But Jeb, what was the surprise for everyone? What were you about to say? Um, so his last time not driving a prototype uh, was the 2012 Armor All Gold, Gold Coast 600 in a V8 supercar, <laughs> of which I could not, I probably could not name a car that drives less like a prototype than a V8 supercar. That's like so. I, I love that that happened. You can find the 2012 races on YouTube. It's full of IndyCar prototype sports car, just, like, royalty that, like, me as a V8 supercar fan, I didn't know any of these people at the time. So, like, going back and watching those races now, it's like, holy crap, we had Mike Conway, we had Stefan Sarazan, we had Mika Salo, we had all these guys racing in these in this event. I had no idea who any of them are. Drew Blakemol and raced, raced a, a supercar. It's, it's ridiculous. Um... And it's crazy to think that was already 10 years ago. Um, so, yeah. Well, he also had, fuck, uh, I'm a swore there. Boris said. Oh, yeah. my God. The myth, the legend. Oh, Boris my God. Boris said. So, Alex Tagliani. Uh, so, Boris said, in that race, he made a complete mockery of the track limits in, during the uh, down the beach chicane. What they had was they had these little, uh, like, rubber bollards that stuck out uh, up on the inside of the curb. And... He, one of them broke off because he hit it so often. So because he could just, like, because Boris said has no morals, he just took the piss and cut that chicane every single time for the rest of the race. Every time, straight over the top of it. It was an absolute farce. And that's the one thing I remember from Boris said in that race. Awesome. Maybe they should have called him on it. That's tr- I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, back to entry list. Number 23, Heart of Racing, Aston Martin, uh, Ross Gunn, David Pittard, and Alex Riberas. Interesting mix of drivers. Uh, I want to say something very quickly about Ross Gunn. Uh, I found it hilarious. Uh, three years ago, um, I-, I think it was the 2020 race, where he was making some comments about having to drive with AM drivers in the car and how difficult he was finding that because he wanted to go fast all the time. Uh, and then he crashed into the pit exit and, uh, like, broke the car and they retired. <laughs> so be careful <laughs> when you run your mouth because you don't know when that's going <laughs> to, pardon me, come back and bite you. So um, that's my lasting memory of Ross Gunn uh, in an Aston Martin at Daytona. So hopefully that doesn't happen again to him. If I remember that correctly, did he not uh, get hit by uh, another car that was pitting? Or did he straight up just bin it? So it it was on pit exit. It was on pit exit that he... Oh, pit exit. Sorry. Uh, You said pit entry. I was thinking of the... uh, the My my bad. No, yeah. It was on pit exit. He hit the the wall. It was like the middle of the night and it was freezing cold. And of course, he just got in on brand new tires. And yeah, just (laughs) broke the suspension on the the wall on on the pit exit. It was hilarious. Real IMSA fans, that, that's the real wall of champions, the Daytona turn one pit exit wall. Uh, really, like, Catherine Legg's hit it. How many, it's, I want a stat of every champion that's hit that wall. Somebody pull that up. We'll, we'll find it. Uh, and two of these drivers, Ross Gunn and Alex Ramirez, just got done racing the 24 hours of Dubai with, with the uh, Mercedes, actually, with the heart of racing um, 
a branding slapped all over that. And obviously the car was ran by SPS Automotive Performance. So two, two of these guys already got a 24-hour race under their belt. There you go. That's, I mean, that's, if you want, if you want a warm up, that's, that's perfectly, that'll be perfectly warm. Um, and funnily enough, a comparable amount of night hours, uh, to Daytona as well, which is very, very important. Cause I think Daytona has the most night running out of any 24 hour race because of- I remember hearing on the comms for Dubai that it's actually pretty even this year. Yeah. Cause like it's cause, quite equal. Cause yeah, Dubai's closer to the winter equinox. Uh, sorry, the winter solstice, but it is slightly further south, so it has less of a change in night time because of it. So they're basically, yeah, it's 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 more night running than day running, which is kind of nuts. Um, we'll leave that one there. This car, this next car, is a very exciting car. The if I if I'm correct, the debut of the Ferrari two nine six GT three Rizzi Competizione. Love to see debut. Yeah, uh, so love to see Rizzi back in the field. Uh, they're bringing along a all-star Ferrari driver lineup here: James Collado, Alessandro Piagrini, Davide Rigon, and Daniel Serra. This is a big story. Uh, the, the 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 first non four something car for Ferrari in like decades. <laughs> and the crazy thing about this lineup, if you didn't have any information on what the car is or what class they're doing, if you just named off the list of drivers, like oh yeah, they're racing in this car. Like, you could possibly say, oh, yeah, that's the hypercar lineup. That's how good this lineup is. It's terrifying, isn't it? And and if, if you want to entrust your brand new car to a group of drivers, why not the drivers that literally limped a car home to win a championship not three months ago? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wait, didn't, didn't uh, Petit Le Mans, didn't Reese? I can't remember if uh, which way it went, but there was like a, pe- a post-race penalty in GTD Pro that either left Reese with the win or left them without the win. I can't yeah. remember which one was which. Reese was handed a back of the class or whatever penalty. Oh, right, that's, uh, that's right. Because they went over the drive time. Naughty, um, naughty. Uh, and according to uh, to Johan in the live chat, they still won the endurance challenge. So or the endurance cup, despite the penalty. So how good is that? That's what I was thinking. How how good is yeah. it to have Reese back on the grid in a proper way? Like this is this is so nice. I also will say, uh, while, while not being the biggest Ferrari guy myself, the car is looking good. It seems like it's running good. And I genuinely could not name four better Ferrari drivers to start the car. This is the perfect lineup for Reese. I could not name anything better. Uh, absolutely right. Um, and from one Ferrari team, one long-time Ferrari team, to a team that's just defected from Ferrari, uh, the number 63 Iron Lynx, now to Lamborghini as in preparation, well, as part of their, their deal with Lamborghini to be uh, the uh, hypercar team in 2024. Uh, Iron Lynx uh, making their debut. I, I'm pretty sure it's also their debut in a Lamborghini. Mirko Bortolotti, Andrea Caldarelli, Roman Grosjean, which is Roman Grosjean, uh, and Jordan Pepper in that car, which is an interesting name as a refugee from formerly the Bentley program. And now I'm not sure if Pepper had run Lamborghinis recently, but like, uh, that's what a, what an interesting list of drivers. Yeah, Roman Grosjean, he loves America. For anyone who doesn't know that reference, when during IndyCar, I think it was 2021, when he first basically arrived in the series, NBC like did the whole 
whole spiel to the whole storyline. It's like, oh, look at Roman. He he's going around the country with this camper, going whatever, and he, he loves America. They just made it, and that's that's the whole meme. So if you're in a, one of the race chats and if you hear you say like, oh yeah, Roman loves America. That's he, he might he might he, he might love America, but just know it's a, it's, it's a meme. Yeah, and NBC hyped it so much. Um, I've just been reliably informed that Jordan Pepper won everything with K-Pax, which makes sense. So that's, yep. that, that makes sense as to why he's in a, in a Iron Lynx Lamborghini. And like, how cool Iron Lynx, they, they've stolen all of the biggest names from all of the other Lamborghini programs <laughs> and put them in one car. And also Roman really Grosjean. I mean, yeah, incredible, it- an incredible scouting job from the Iron Lynx team. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of nuts. Like Mirko Bortolotti, Andrea Caldarelli. Like, wasn't Andrea Caldarelli like Mister FFF Racing, which is now oh, like dead? Yeah. And that that's like that was that, that was the monkey's paw that I was gonna bring up. It's awesome to see Iron Link step up. Well, not step up, but kind of like a lateral move to just Ferrari to Lamborghini, um, and obviously going towards the hypercar program with Caldarelli being the main guy, or not the main guy, but one of the guys behind it. Now, a factor driver, that plus maybe the Chinese money that was coming in through that team not being as such um, there anymore, that caused the death of Triple F Racing Team, which was announced a day or two ago. Yeah, so sad times. But on the other hand, we will have a spankingly yellow uh, Lamborghini and quite possibly a bright pink one as well. We'll talk a bit about that later on. Uh TF Sport uh, with TGM is the next car on the entry list, number 64. We've gone 62, 63, 64, which is quite interesting. Um, they're also in an Aston Martin, of course, because it's TF Sport. And with an entirely, pardon me, Amer- American-based driver lineup of names that I have no idea about. Uh, we have Ted Giovannis, Hugh Plum, Matt Plum, and Owen Trinkler. Um, Chris, help. Right, so this uh, this this particular car made a lot of people angry because they're like, why is this car in? But not KCMG. Understand understandable question. Alright. Just to clear the air, the reason this entry got the nod instead of KCMG, yes, they are, as of right now, only running a one off in this championship. But they are full time entries in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. And so since KSDMG doesn't do anything else with IMSA, this is why T, uh, TGM got the nod instead. It's basically just like, oh, you've been a customer for us for so many years. We'll, we'll allow this for you. Okay. With that's that fair. being said. That's, like, that's, that's, that's the, the series showing loyalty. Like, I'm, I'm nonplussed by that. And, and then, then the, the driver lineup is pretty much just, copy and paste the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Uh, you would just see these guys in the, in their cars. Ted Giovannis is kind of the old guy. Um, he is uh, somewhat regarded. He's not exactly the best driver out there, but then you got the the Plums, which have been racing with Pilot Challenge for years, and Owen Trinkler, who have been obviously doing that as well. And they're, they're relatively good. They're, they're relatively fine drivers. Probably not the same caliber that some of the drivers we've seen in this class. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're 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 competent. So uh, Ted Giovannis, that's a question mark, but we'll have to wait and see. So why are they in pro? Uh, because the rules in GTD Pro state that you can just enter. Oh. You, there's no yeah, it's a free for all driver lineup. You don't need to have. You don't need to be like oh, you have to be a gold or a platinum. 
It's basically you it, like any team from GTD can enter GTD Pro. Like that's how loose the rules are. So we've got here a pair of bronze drivers and a pair of silver drivers going up against teams that are literally quad platinum. So you know, I, temper temper your expectations if you're a fan of the plums. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that's the reason why it, it's a it's the driver lineup is and obviously uh, GTD Pro and GTD are the same regulation of cars. Actually, BOP together. I think we forgot to mention about that. So like during the races, if you see just like a time because green, it will definitely be hand because there's so many interclass battles that goes on. And if the caution comes out just right, sometimes like the GTDs just on like pit stops. All the GTDs will be ahead of the GTD Pro cars, like we saw Petit Lama. It really adds for an interesting, uh, interesting new thing to watch towards the race. Nice. Um, oh, two I, more cars in GTD just... Pro. Uh, sorry, Jeb, but we got to we got to keep moving because otherwise we're going to run out of time to talk about the twenty four car GTD GTD class. Um, oh yeah, we got a lot of guys left. We got a lot of guys left. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Um, number seventy nine, the the WeatherTech racing car, everyone's everyone's favorite. Um, on the entry list for the Raw, it has only Cooper McNeil uh, confirmed, which is unsurprising because it's a WeatherTech car. Um, but on Wikipedia, it's got here listed uh, as well Daniel Yukindela, Jules Gunon, and Mario Angle, which is a pretty cool, cool uh, trio of Mercedes drivers. Um, yeah, uh, I'm. Excited for that car, except for when McNeil's in it, which I think is. And this movie, uh, sorry to cut you off there, Flo. I was going to say that uh, this is rumored. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. I it might have. Uh, this is Cooper McNeil's uh, last race. Ooh, yeah. Focus on the business side of things, and it's going to oh, no. be. I can't remember which of the two are full season, but basically one of the two drivers are the the two of the three pro drivers you see listed there they're going to be full season and obviously the rest of them are mec without the handling of cooper that's that's a surprise i i i'm gonna i'm gonna miss ripping into cooper (laughs) (laughs) oh well i mean hopefully he goes out on a high (laughs) i i I guess i mean if he's driving with angle gunon and nukadella like the, the only other mercedes driver i can think that's of that caliber is much yellow who doesn't even race mercedes anymore uh yes he does does he well i mean he's not racing mercedes in this race because he's racing an lmp2 right yeah right. yeah he, uh, he's go ahead well, i was gonna say he still does still does mercedes he just not, not doing it here not doing it here um last car this is the car that we made mention at the very beginning has moved up from gtd to gtd pro um, so that's been a, a late change. So on, it's not reflected on the IMSA entry list, but it is reflected on, say, Wikipedia. Um, BMW M Team Turner. Um, so this has also caused livery change. They've gone from their yellow and blue to uh, BMW colors. Um, I believe, I may not be correct in saying this, I believe this is the American debut of the M4. Is that correct? Uh, no. No? Okay. Uh, it, Don't listen to me. I'm a filthy one liar. Yeah. They raced him. They actually got a win last year at Long Beach with Paul Miller, uh, Paul Miller Racing. There you go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, don't listen to me. I make things up. Um, interesting mix of drivers. Uh, Bill Orbelin returning to the pro class for like the first time in forever uh, with John Edwards, Chandler Hull, and Bruno Spengler. Um, Chandler Hull is not a name I'm familiar with. Anyone able to sh- shed some light? Uh, he, I believe he was, he was running with the Bimmer World team at races, uh, M4, GT3s, and GT World Challenge America. 
And I, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, he last year when Bimmer World was testing their M4 GT3 at VIR, he like literally like the one of the first laps he rode off the chassis. Oh no! He's obviously he obviously improved since then. Uh, but yeah, Chandler Hall is one basically uh, one of the up and coming guys in the uh, American sports car scene. Cool. Um, yeah, it, it seems that they had to move to GTD Pro because of the late addition of Bruno Spengler, um, which put them out of the dry, uh, the, like the driver lineup window for GTD. Well, I want to say GTDM, but it is just GTD. Um, so how do we think Bill Orblin's going to go? It's been a long time since he's raced in a pro car. He I think he'll go it. fine. Yeah, he's he still, still has it. it. Like, I know it's not as a uh, caliber field, but Michelin, if you watch any of the Michelin Pallet Challenge races when he's in the car, like, it, it, it's, it's, it shows that he could clearly still drive a race car. Yeah, the last time uh, Bill Orbelin took a pro win in, uh, in GT Le Mans was in 2017, with the the M6 GTLM, so not even the not even the M8, it was the M6. So that's how long ago we're talking here. Um, but he is, I think, still the winningest, the class winningest driver in uh, Grand Am slash whatever IMSA wants to call their series history. Bill Bill Oberlin is still IMSA's winningest driver. Yeah, so he has the, he has the most wins, the the most winningest, the the winny winny winningest. So. Uh, nine cars, uh, probably eight actual cars in GTD Pro. Where is our money? Oh, like, where, where, who, who's going to win? Is anyone going to be brave? Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Faf. Faf? I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, Bacla, Pile, and Vantor in a Porsche as the reigning champions. Um, Jeb, you hinted earlier that you weren't going to go Faf, so please I'm, enlighten I'm us as to why you're betraying your country. Yeah, I'm going to come out and say this. I, I think Faf will win Sebring. I think they'll win Mid-Ohio. I think they'll win Long Beach. I think they'll win Canadian Tire Motors Park. I think they'll win every other race of the season. However, Corvette Racing is going to win the Rolex. <laughs> How dare you? In class, I want to clarify. Yeah, yeah. They're going to win in class. You know, not you know, not, not, not two thousand one. No, no, it's not. Um, what makes you say that? I really like Corvettes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Jeb. I hate to be that guy, but just to clarify, uh, um, actually, uh, there's no Mid Ohio in the calendar anymore. It's oh. being replaced by Indianapolis. Oh, he just got dunked on, Jeb. You just got dunked on. This is what the uh, the media won't tell you. I mean, it won't tell you about Mid Ohio. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, I want to say Porsche, I want to say Faf, but I look at the Reese lineup and I just, I, I, I look at the Reese lineup. That's, that's what I do. I, that's, even though it's a brand new car, I can't help but think that they're going to hit the ground running. But of course it's, but it's a Ferrari. So it's like a 50, 50 chance it is perfect or it just explodes into a fireball. Ah, I don't know. It's what it, what I can say though is it's going to be an awesome race. Like with the way that IMSA does their cautions, with the driving quality of the field, there is no way that this race doesn't go down to like the final few minutes in GTD Pro. Yeah, that's uh, normally how it goes, doesn't it? Yeah. 
it's going to be an absolute madhouse. Okay, everyone, everyone ready for this? We have yep. 24 cars left on the entry list. We've already been going for about an hour and 45 minutes. We are going to do our very best to keep this to less than half an hour of additional runtime. So that means we've got about a minute to talk about each car and then wrap up everything at the end. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to speed run this. If you are listening along, make sure that you are following along with either a spotter's guide, an entry list, or on Wikipedia because this is gonna be quick. Um, we have twenty four cars. That is a basically a full grid in most other series. That is a full grid of V eight supercars. This is just a subclass in the Daytona twenty four hour. Um, in this class, you are required to have two. Silver rated drivers, so two amateur drivers, and then the other two drivers are free. So we're going to be focusing a lot on the amateur drivers here. There is a big American representation in this field. You have um, Triassi Motor Competition in the brand new Ferrari. You have Paul Miller Racing, Avassa Sullivan Racing. You have Heart of Racing, Team Courthoff uh, Motorsports, NTE Sport, Magnus Racing Return, MDK Motorsports, Windward Racing, Gradient Racing, Vault Racing, uh, I, who I don't believe have raced in GTD before step up uh racetronics ao racing team kelly moss road racing with two cars uh wayne is that wtr is in wayne taylor racing uh in uh, accurate yeah. yes that is and turner motorsport they are your american teams that's a big uh, american representation but you also have a heap of international flair on top particularly from italians which is surprising to me a little bit iron links is here af courses settler racing are returning with a brand new ferrari as well Iron Dames in a pink Lamborghini, which is going to look so hot. Um, and then Inception Racing uh, with a McLaren are on the grid. Sun Energy Run, Ken- Kenny Habul is on the grid with a Mercedes. It is going to be terrifying uh, in this class. It's, it's, it's going to be a random number generator sort of day. You know the deal. This is how we do GTD racing. Where do we want to start? Do we want to go through each car one by one, or do we just want to pick names out of a hat and see where we go? Because there's a lot of names that I recognize and a lot of names I don't. We can we can go one by one, but we'll make it quick. I'll, I'll start off with Triarchi Capitazioni. Uh, they showed up uh, out of last year out there in GT World Challenge America, starting at Sebring, and then obviously got Elastio Rivera and Andrea Bertolini. As like the guys who normally race Ferraris, and then the other two, Charles Scardina and Ondanto Triarsi, are your AM drivers. Yeah, uh, they sound like very Italian names, so it doesn't surprise me at all that they've gone with a very Italian car and a Ferrari. Um, Paul Miller Racing is the first of the BMWs on the on the grid, a uh, car that we're very familiar with in IMSA. Corey Lewis, uh, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow in that car again, and, Ma- and Maxime Martin. Now, is Madison Snow still a uh pro driver no he's not so that's that's actually really really good for the number one yep uh still silver after all this time after all this time um jeb do you want to do the next one we'll go we'll, we'll just each get a car going perfect yeah uh number 12 vassar sullivan and we got aaron tellitz frankie Mont- uh, frankie montecalvo kyle kirkwood and parker thompson a pretty strong lineup these none of these guys are new to imsa so uh i think a pretty solid contingent um, I've not heard of Parker Thompson. Uh, do you want to just shed a little bit of light on him, seeing as he's got a Canadian flag, or is that too much to ask? Uh, I believe he is a Porte, uh Challenge champion, Chris. Am I wrong? Am I thinking of the wrong Parker Thompson? He, he might have, but also, he also did uh, Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Cool. Um, Chris, take us through the next one. Hey, uh, you have Wright Motorsports with... Uh, I'm just going down the Wikipedia entry list here with two entries. 
uh, one to sixteen car is going to be in that in that classic light blue livery with Ryan Hardwick, John Halen, Dennis Olson, who's been racing in DTM with SSR Performance last year, and Zachary Robichon, which was with the FAF team last year. Um, and then you got the seventy-seven car, which is the Volt race of the Volt Lightning highlighter yellow livery, who's making the jump up from the GT4 in Michelin Pilot Challenge. You got Ellen. Norwegian last name, not gonna pronounce that. <laughs> uh, Kevin Estra, Trent Hyman, and Maxwell Root. Alan uh, Brynjolfsson. Uh, we need Norwegian petrol head in here to help us out. Um, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Estra. <laughs> what? In a highlighter green car, Kevin Estra. This is gonna be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. It's the car, uh, like you said, it's Volt Lightning. Very, very. You won't miss it on track, that's for sure. But being ran. By right Motorsports, and then you got Trent Heidman, who has been racing with uh, the Allen all these years. Volt, and then you got the uh, Maxwell Root, who is just an up and coming Porsche guy from America. Quick question: um, I may have passed over this, but is this the debut of the 992 spec GT3 for Porsche? I guess you could say officially, but they did race it a couple times last year. Okay, in NLS with I believe. Manti, Dynamic, and Falcon Motorsport. Okay, cool. Um, I just uh, had missed that the 992 was actually racing. So, um, yeah, cool pair of lineups. I think the 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 number 16 is probably a little stronger, but uh, you know, is e- even even thing. Um, Iron Links are bringing uh two cars. One of one of course the Iron Links. The other is the Iron Dames. Uh, we've got uh, both in Huracans, of course, Lamborghinis, now that they've made the switch. Uh, the number 19 has Raffaele Gianmaria, Rolf Nikon, Frank Pereira, and Claudio Schiavone, which is a pretty uh, normal IMSA lineup for the Lamborghinis. I think we've seen Rolf Nikon and Frank Pereira racing together quite a while now in <laughs> Lamborghinis. Um, and like, yeah, in like sprint series, and then like the other half is like the like a normal ELMS Michelin Mach Cup. Like you would see that yeah. there. Exactly. Um, now, of course, the next one, the, the 83 is a, a fan favorite car. The Iron Dames, uh, all female lineup. Uh, they took a first victory in the ELMS last season, which was amazing, uh, in a hot pink Lamborghini, because you know if it's a Lamborghini, it's got to be loud colors. Sarah Bovey, Rahel Frey, Michelle Gatting, Dorian Pin. That is going to be a really, really cool car to follow. And, like, they've got a legit chance at a race victory as well. I was going to say, I will just say, sorry to change the subject, before we get made fun of, uh, Parker Thompson is the defending Porsche Cup North America champion. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. So, bit of a uh, big deal. Yep, I, yep, so that's, yep, he was racing a lot in Porsche Cups, that's how I remember him. He's yep. also the Formula 1600 Super Series Canada champion from 2017. God, we've already <laughs> we've already got a niche motorsport guy, Jeb, stop trying to feel that. <laughs> um, unbelievable. Um, Iron Dames, do they have a legit chance at a race victory? Maybe. It is GTD, yeah, so anything's possible. Yeah, it's just all going to come come down to how the race shapes up. I mean, it really depends on your first few hours, because obviously in the class, you know, especially with B- being BOP the same as the GTD Pro guys as well. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, it's uh, too tough to make a call right now. Yeah. Uh, Jeb, you're next up. Uh, uh, who's, who's next? I'm hey, sorry, you guys are going in a different order than I am. Hey, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, you've heard of these guys. Uh, yeah, if, if I'm going to be honest, 
don't know much about this card. Do you want to take it? Okay, sure. Um, this is a number 21 card. These are also in the, the 296. All the Ferraris in the 296. Um, Francesco Castellacci, Simon Mann, Luis Perez, Compagnac, and Tony Vlander. So Vlander, we know as a Ferrari factory driver forever. Um, Compagnac and, uh, well, Castellacci, we would have seen in WC competition. Simon Mann, I'm not too sure about, <laughs> about pardon me, but um, Compagnac, I've seen <laughs> a bunch of different times in a bunch of different series. So I'm, I'm pretty confident with that, with that car actually uh not too many complaints in that one uh, yeah i see um it's gonna be interesting how this one and i believe this car's gonna have a more of a blue uh livery on it as well with the classic like af course livery design so that'll be that'll be uh that'll be fun uh, yeah. or, uh nice to see on track as well yeah and just a sidebar simon mann in that car was racing at lamar last year in the number 21 af Corsa car so you know if you're racing at lamar you must be doing something right um chris you're up next all right, so next up, we have the Heart of Racing team with their GTD entry. We have Roman DeAngelis, Ian James, Marco Sorensen, and Darren Turner. Uh, Roman DeAngelis and Ian James, I believe. Maybe not Roman DeAngelis, but Ian James was definitely it was also at the 24 Hours at Dubai uh, just uh, this past weekend. That car is stronger than the GTD Pro car. Like, am I wrong? You know what? Honestly, I I would agree with you there. Oh, there sorry. are it's, four it's, it's, very it's, solid drivers in it. It's stronger than the TF Sport car, not the other Heart of Racing car, because the other Heart of Racing car has Con- uh, David Pittard, Ross Gunn, and uh, Alex Ramirez in it. So, but still, mm. it's still a strong car. Um, honestly, I think your first statement might have been right. Honestly, <laughs> don't say that. That scares me. Um, I'm just I'm just being honest. Number 32, Team Korthoff Motorsports has Maximili- uh, in the Mercedes has Maximilian Gotts, uh, Mikhail Grenier, Kenton Koch, and Mike Skeen. Now, Maximilian Gotts is the first name that I recognize that has been confirmed to be doing the Daytona Bathurst double. He's racing in the uh, Super Jeep Auto 888 race engineering uh, Mercedes at Bathurst. Um, not too sure on the other names in that car. Um, so, uh, is this a team that's been racing IMSA for a while? Uh, so, yeah, okay, fine. Hold on, but buckle, buckle your seatbelt, oh, no. boys. What have um, I done? This, this was, so this time last year, this team was like Gilbert Korthoff Motorsport, and they had Guy Cosmo in the car, right? As well as our lineups. Anyway, they did the whole qualifying race, they did the whole song and dance, and then, like, literally, like, the, the couple of days after, Guy Cosmo gets released from the driver lineup. And from the, from what the story tell is that the team, one of the team owners was angry, obviously, at the guy. He's not there anymore. Was angry at Guy Cosmo because he lost positions during his pit stop. And he was like, oh, that's not good performance. And keep in mind, this is the uh, Mercedes is like liveried like the old Patronus F1 cars. So I guess it's got like the teal blue kind of little thing going on it mm. and like the gray. So that that was like the history of this card. We kind of became a whole little, little meme, a little drama from last year. But now, ever since then, it's just Korthoff, the guy behind the team now. Uh, they actually were contenders for the actual GTD championship last year. And Mikhail Grenier, he was he usually races in either like he usually he races in Mercedes. I, he, I know he did the Sun Energy One cars in the past. Yeah, S, uh, SPS guys. Um, and they got uh, Kenton Cook, who raced, I believe, Protep Challenge, the series. And then uh, Mike Skeen, who is just, uh, he's just kind of like the American driver. He kind of po- pops in randomly. He does, he did GTs a lot 
during the ALMS Grand Am days. And he's kind of like, you know, he's, 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 he's a reliable filler in case they don't have anything else. There you go. Uh, you're, you're up next, Jeb. It's okay if you don't know who they are. I don't either. Cool. Uh, we've got the iconic NT Esport entry. I mean, just a star-studded lineup. We've got Don, Don Yunt, uh, Jane Conright, uh, Karong Lee, and uh, uh, Alessio Delita. Sorry, I'm, i got a really small screen. Delita? D- yeah, Delita would be right. I, I, I mean, have just, no idea who any of these there's people are. so many things about this lineup. I, can't even, I don't even know where to start. Right, so NT Esport, if you're following on IMSA Racing on the subreddit, they actually have been posting um, their experiences with dealing with putting on the new EVA 2 yes. kit. For the, um, and they've been posting on IMSA Racing for a couple weeks now, so you won't have to go scroll down far to find their post. Definitely worth a post of very awesome pictures. Uh, Jaden Conrad, I believe, is one of the winners, or at least he was one of the nominees for the IMSA Driver Diversity Scholarship. And so he's been kind of on the up and coming. Uh, Alessio Deleto was just a bad driver at DTM for Grasser. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Karan Lee, I believe he's on, shows him as Chinese, but I think I remember him in the North American racing scene a bit. And they got Don Yount, which is kind of like the money man for the team. And, uh, I don't know, not exactly the caliber of racing driver you would like. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Chris, you're up next. Right, so we got the next up on the list, we got the Magnus Racing Car, which if you haven't uh, seen the livery this year, it looks fantastic. They got Flexbox back in the car, hey. which, you know, any Magnus Racing history, that's huge. Uh, they are still with the Aston this year. We got Andy Lally, John Potters, and Spencer Pompelli, which is kind of like the standard for that lineup. And then we got Nikki Team, who's still kicking. I, I, I love that Magnus Racing just have like they're three regular dudes and then just like uh, uh, like one of the most <laughs> ridiculous guys like they, they always get someone who's just like out of this world like they've had Rene Rast they've had Marcus Winkelhock and now they got Nikki Team which is yeah crazy um and and basically watch out for their social media they'll post like uh normally what they do is they make like a movie poster like a parody movie poster for the actual event and uh it's not up officially anymore but they also have that Lego Oh. short they did in 2016 yes so if you if you ever if you if you find that it's uh well worth the watch I, I, i've got that saved somewhere because every single time it gets posted it gets pulled down because of the unauthorized use of lego so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a classic and the only reason they got pulled down is because it got so much attention because they won that year <laughs> right <laughs> so that was the problem um uh, next, next up in the entry is uh, Settler Racing number forty-seven, uh, which is going to be in a, another blue Ferrari. It's going to be amazing. Uh, pretty standard lineup: Alessandro Balzan, Antonio Fuoco, plus uh, Roberto Lacorte and Sergio. Uh, jo- sorry, Giorgio Cernogiotto. So uh, standard lineup. If you've seen them race in um, uh, LMP2 in the past or in, in the past in GTs, this is uh, exactly what you would expect from that team. And an exciting team to boot. Um, they're they're very passionate Italian men, and I love it. Um, MDK Motorsports, uh, 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 Jeb, go for it. MDK Motorsports, they've got, well, they're, first of all, they're, oh, I lost them on the list. Ah! 53. I'm just kidding. I believe in you. Yeah, they're 53. Hey, they're running a Porsche. Uh, they got, so Mark, is it Kavam? Sorry. Yeah. Mark Vam. He's there. Trenton Estep, who anybody who's watched him, sorry, racing for, in general is probably familiar with him. And more importantly, Jan Magnuson, ALMS slash Grand Am slash 
to the United Sports Car Championship slash IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. He's basically made a home here, so it's nice to see Jan back. Uh, I believe that was the car that K-Mag's also in, too, right? He's not showing up on the IMSA list. Uh, about Kevin Magnuson. So, yes, Kevin Magnuson is scheduled to be on the list. They obviously, uh, basically, the apart, uh, separating Estep from the driver lineup, those three, Vom and the Magnussons, race of the Gulf 12 hours together in a Ferrari ran by AF Corsa. Uh, so they already have some sort of chemistry together. But Kevin Magnuson apparently has some sort of hand injury. Or something to deal, do with his hand. So he is listed as questionable. So he might not even, uh, unfortunately, be able to race with his father at the Rolex. So we'll keep an eye on that. But as of right now, Kevin Magnuson is still listed. But keep in mind that that can change and he might not be. I, I recall this now. I think actually, I think it's actually he's going for surgery on his hand. Ooh, if I remember correctly. That sounds Ooh, serious. Like, yep. I, it's, I, I don't think it's big. I think it's sustaining or from a previous injury. It's just obviously if you were going through surgery, you cannot also be driving a race car. Yeah, this is true. Um, so hopefully we'll see the Magnussons on track together. That would be nice and fun. Um, uh, but that car, well, it, it remains to be seen what sort of other driver they'll be able to get to fill uh, that slot if K-Mag can't be in it. That, that's another current F1 driver in the field, which is kind of terrifying. Um, Chris, next. Right, so we have Windward Racing, who has been kind of making their status known around the world with DTM teams. Um, you got Lucas Auer and Philip Ellis parting the DTM lineup for that car. And then they also have Indy Dante, who was kind of making a resurgence back in GT racing after quite a hiatus back. Um, nice to see him come back for GTs after a, quite a hiatus after a couple of years. I think he may have did some some up. Uh, last year as well and they got russell ward who is the money man behind the team yep that's uh, yeah any any anything else really exciting behind that i mean indy jones is uh, quite a known name but that he's not been around for a, a while at the top level uh philip ellis and lucas Auer, dtm guys who expect them to be aggressive <laughs> that's just saying that you expect them to be touring car drivers right <laughs> correct DTM is the most expensive touring car racing. Um, next up on the list, Gradient Racing, number 66, uh, in the Acura, which is the, the first Acura on the list, uh, in the Evo 22, uh, which is uh, interesting. I didn't know that they were still doing Evos for the Acura. But anyway, um, this is a, a pretty cool car. Mario Fanbucker and Catherine Legg are in this car. Uh, so uh, I haven't seen Catherine Legg driving anything for a little while, so I'm excited to see her, along with Mark Miller and Sheena Monk, which is a name that I'm not familiar with. Um, who is Sheena Monk? Uh, so Sheena Monk, she has been racing in Michelin Pilot Challenge uh, with, I can't remember her co-driver's name, but um, she races with the J.G. Wentworth livery, which if, if, you, if you're, if you live in the States, you'll, you'll know the commercials. You know, I need money and I need cash now. Uh, th- those ones. Um, it's kind of like in this green, green and white car. It looks very good. Um, but another important thing to note is that starting this is only only for Daytona or the male drivers in the car, mm. or, or I guess for maybe for the endurance events because full season it's going to be Sheena Monk and Catherine Leg for an all woman driver lineup. And that's cool. I love to see uh, female driver development, so I'm happy to see that, and I hope they do well. Uh, Jeb, next up. All right, up next we've got the Inception Racing Cars, the number seventy. I believe the only McLaren in the field, unless I'm wrong. That is correct. I am correct. The only McLaren in the field. It's got uh, Brendan Arib, uh, Frederick Sh- uh, Shandorf, uh, Ali Milroy, and Marvin Kirchhofer. Is it Kirchhofer? Kirchhofer. 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 Oh, it's, oh yes. 
let's check. I mean, Inception's been around for a while. Uh, they've they've consistently performed decent, sometimes good, sometimes bad. By all means, not a bad pick, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how the McLaren does this year, see how they got it sorted out. The McLaren's not as popular of a car as I would like it to be in GT racing. It and, is a bit uh, boutique I, in that re- uh, respect, isn't it? Yeah, I, I that's why I, I kind of hope they do well for the novelty factor. I also just straight up, I, I just like orange, so I hope the car <laughs> does well. But yeah, it, it'd be neat to see the it'd be to see the McLaren do well. And and the McLaren has had a reputation for being a bit of a hard car to drive as well. The setup window's kind of hard to get, but when it is in the setup window, it is a terrifying machine. They were in the mix to win a, or well, they did win a Le Mans invite uh, Inception Motorsport through the Asian Le Mans series a few seasons ago. So, uh, yeah, expect expect them to to be quick. Um, certainly, certainly a team to, to keep an eye on. Ah, oh, Chris, you get to do one of my favorites. Oh yeah, Sun Energy One Racing, who were a last-minute addition in the race after the uh, IMSA officials initially announcing only a 60-car grid. Then they're like, oh, we got space for what we had last year, which was 61. Let's add the next guys on the reserve list. So this will be include Kenny Abu, Axel Jeffries, and Fabian Schiller. And unfortunately, um, on the entry list, it says Willpower, but we just had breaking news while we were recording this. And Willpower is not going to be racing uh, just to the fact he's going to take care uh, of his wife who's sick, which is very understandable. We hope his uh, wife gets well soon. Uh, and a replacement has not been named at this time. So as of right now, the only three drivers in that car are Habul, Jeffries, and Schiller. Uh, and that's a that's a bit of a, a big miss because Will Power was one of the star drivers in that car. Um, but, I mean, I'm sure they'll find someone... Uh, Competent is going to be putting it mildly. Uh, very competent um, to fill in that seat. Uh, Habul has a, a habit of finding some great uh, Mercedes drivers to drive with him. Um, but he, he himself is it's a, a great driver. And Axel Jeffries, as is the second M in that car, is is not a name to shirk out either. So add Fabian Schiller and then another professional driver, which I'm sure I'm sure anyone who drives a Mercedes professionally is on the phone to Kenny Habul saying, "Hey, mate, you wanna you wanna." You want to hook me up? So, um, you know, it might even be someone from uh, Down Under. It might even be someone like a, a Jamie Winkup or a Shane Van Gisbergen because of their ties through uh, uh, the Triple uh, Eight race engineering last year at the Bathurst 12 Hour. So, uh, I'm I'm excited for that car, and Kenny Hall is such a uh, uh, such a char- character as well. So, um, the, the uh, inaugural uh, bronze driver uh, winner of the IGTC, by the way, Kenny Hall. For a little bit of trivia, I was going to say overall Bathurst twelve hour winner last year as well. Last year, yes, I had the I had the pleasure of interviewing him in the garage after he won the race, and let me tell you, I took a picture of of the garage afterwards. It smelt like race fuel and champagne, and that 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 <laughs> particular combination is something that's never going to leave my brain. Um, we've already talked about, uh, <laughs> pardon me, we've already talked about Vault Racing with Wright Motorsports. Um, we're going to, uh, I'll move on next to the US, uh, <coughs> pardon me, the US Racetronics team, which is a team that I have absolutely no familiarity with. Um, but it does have Misha Glockberg uh, behind the wheel. So, uh, a driver that we know has some quality, at least. Um, it also has Loris Spinelli, Benja Heights, and Marco Mapelli, which is a little surprising. Uh, I w- did not expect to see a car of that, uh, a driver of that caliber in a car I knew nothing about, but that's that's uh, that's a cool, like decently fielded car. Who is US yeah, Racetronics? 
Uh, yeah, so they a, run a team in Super Trofeo in North America. That's why you see Spinelli there. They kind of he raced with them in that support. Um, and then uh, believe they oh he also raced with them when because they ran a Mercedes last year in GT World Challenge America. And I remember seeing that name there as well. I believe they might have won a race or two uh, in that championship. And they, this livery is going to have, but it basically is going to have green and with arrow sponsorship on the car. So it'll it'll be a good looker, that's for sure. Absolutely right. Uh, you're up. <laughs> Pardon me. You're up next, Jim. Alrighty. Up next, we have my new favorite GTD team, AO Racing, because they've got a interesting lineup. So first of all, PJ, I think it's Hyatt or Hyatt. I'm sorry, I might not be pronouncing it correctly. Seb Prio, Gunnar Jeanette, and Harry Ticknell. Which, let me tell you what, if there's ever been a car I've been hyped for, it's this car. PJ Hyatt, or Hyatt, let's call him PJ Hyatt. So he's the co-founder of GitHub, so he's, he's he's the money guy. He's the money guy, but that's just a funny statistic. Like, how Seb funny is Prio. it that, like, the dude who, yeah. who's founded GitHub uh, is... GitHub is in this car. That's ridiculous. It's like how how crazy that, like, David Hennemeyer Hansen, who invented Ruby on Rails, is a, a, an LMP2 driver. Like, that's so yeah. weird. So, P- yeah, PJ Hitt founded GitHub, Gunnar Jeanette, ALMS legend, Seb Prio everything legend harry ticknell former mazda driver this car has everything i love written over it and it's also got an interesting am i honestly think this is my new favorite gtd i'm 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 happy that you found this by the way are you sure you're talking about seb prio who is the son of andy prio uh not andy prio who's won everything right well listen he's cool too (laughs) (laughs) he's not he's not a legend yet but he could be um, I might have forgot who was the father and who was the son. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the in a Porsche as well. You might have just turned me onto that car as well. You've you've done a very convincing job. Um, interesting that you've got Seprio paired with Harry Ticknell again because they were driving in the uh, one of the Proton cars last year at Le Mans with Christian Reed, the number seventy-seven. So um, it's cool to see them. Uh, clearly, there is some sort of driver coaching program going on between Prio and Tinknell because that can't be a coincidence. I think Harry Tinknell might be like a driver coach or something. Um, that could make a lot of sense to me personally. Yeah. I know Prio has been in the North American racing scene ever since he kind of ditched from, I believe, British F4. And he's kind of been, and he was, he ran Career Cup North America in 2021. Um, maybe he did, I can't remember what he did in last year, uh, but he, um, was definitely racing in the states, and now, now he's got himself a medium to drive. Yeah, uh, Chris, we've got three minutes left before we hit half an hour on GTD. Let's go. We've got three right, three uh, minutes left. Three teams left. All right, so we got Kelly Moss with Riley. Kelly Moss is a Porsche Cup team from Wisconsin. Go, 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 cheese. Um, they got they, they got two cars. I believe one of them. I got the article pulled up here. One of them is going to be in, at only in Michelin Endurance Cup. Oh, yep, the ninety two is going to be mi- uh, endurance only. That's going to be your own Bleakamola, Nick Boole, Andrew Davis, Alec Udell. And then you got the 91, I believe the full season. You got Julian Anlauer, Kai Van Burlo, uh, Jackson Evans, and Alan Metney. I'm excited for Jackson Evans. I'm excited for Jackson Evans. That makes me excited. You want to just run down the last two real quick? Uh, I, I mean, I can do the 93, because uh, that one's uh, Wayne Taylor Racing, so it's an Acura, uh, with Ryan Briscoe, the uh, formerly Australian, now American Ryan Briscoe. Uh, Daniel Formal, who I think, is that a, a Thai, a Costa Rican flag uh, driver there? Not a name you see, not a flag you see on uh, a lot of 
drivers. Um, Ashton Harrison and uh, Kyle Marcelli, uh, which is a name that I recognize from Michelin Pilot Challenge. Yeah. Yep. yep. Marcelli races in Pilot Challenge, like you said, and Ashton Harrison is actually a, the, the female driver on that crew. Cool. Ashton is a gender ambiguous name, so that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I did not recognize that at the time. Uh, finish us off, Jeb. Alrighty. Uh, it's Turner Motorsports. I keep forgetting that their number's so far down the list. Patrick Gallagher, Robbie Foley, uh, Michael, Michael, oh, is it Dinon? I never remember how to get his last name. Dinon? Mike? Whatever. <laughs> and Jens Klingman. They're, they're Turner. They're going to be good. This is true. They're going to be good. It's, it's Turner. It's, I mean, it's Robbie Foley. They're, he's one of the Turner drivers, but he's still good. He's not Bill, but he's still good. <laughs> still good. It's a pretty solid lineup. I mean, they're, they're Turner. It's Turner. It's Daytona, you know. And, and the thing that always strikes me about Turner is that they're a well-run operation. Like, their cars never seem to be yes. the most flashy in terms of their driver lineup, but they always seem to be in the mix. And that's because their team is good. Um, and that's something that I think gets lost a bit when we look at these these entry lists, is that it's not just about the drivers, it's about the teams. And Turner is a good team. Um, so, that's, 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 that's 24 cars, and we did that in 31 minutes. So, I think that's a pretty good strike rate. Now, the question is, who is going uh, to win? <laughs> Uh, good. Qu- I think it's gonna be um. I'll, I'll give you two two supplementaries as well. So pick a podium in GTD. All right. So I think I think that it's gonna be the sixteen for the win. And that's the Wright Motorsports Hardwick Halen Olsen and Robichon car. That's a good lineup. Uh, the twelve and then the twenty to twenty seven. So 12 is Vassa Sullivan in the Lexus with Kirkwood, Montecalvo, Tealitz, and Thompson. And the 27 is the Heart of Racing Team, the car that's almost as good as a GTD Pro car in the Aston Martin, Roman DeAngelis, Ian James, Marco Sorensen, and Darren Turner. Yeah, we've got uh, uh, Johan in the live chat saying the 27 is basically a GTD Pro team. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, I said it earlier. Yeah. Um. You know, would you pick that for a race win then, Jeb? I guess I'll do my picks now. Honestly... I, I, I'm going to name three cars. I don't know who's going to win the race, but I, I can, I'm going to name three cars that I think will do well, and then hopefully they will all fall on the podium. The 27, like we said, Rome D'Angelo, Sorensen, James Turner, right? Stacked lineup. Next on the list, i got to scroll down and actually remember the number. Where are they? Where are they at? My ne- my new favorite team, the yeah. 80. AO Racing, Seb Prio, Jeanette, Ticknell, I love Mazda. Third, honestly, might be Turner, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Turner's Turner just seems to always just straight up get unlucky. That's true. Yeah, it's, that's that's it. That's why it makes it really hard to pick them. Go so with, I'm probably gonna go with right. Honestly, I'm gonna uh, go with right. Go go honestly. with your heart, Jeb. Go with your heart. Don't go with no, your I'm head. Picking, your head means nothing here. It's GTD. No, Who I'm knows? picking right. You're picking yeah, right. Yeah, because my head, my heart. Let me. I picked the master for three years. <laughs> 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 yeah. Good point. So, you, so you're used to being disappointed then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. You know what? You know what race I didn't pick the Mazda for? Their final race where they won it. <laughs> of course, that's just that's, that's just wh- peak peak. That's why my name is not on that car. Oh, like, that's and, that's rough. That's rough. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so you went with the right motorsports, the number sixteen, then? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm gonna go with. 
Uh, I reckon the Iron Dames are going to be one of the teams to beat. So that's Bovi, Frey, Gatting, and Dorian Pin. I reckon they're going to be a, a terrifying prospect. Um, I'm also going to go the number 91 uh, Kelly Moss Roden race uh, because I like Julian Andlauer and I like Jackson Evans and Kay Van Berlo and Adrian Metney, I, I guess, are fine. Um, and the last car, I'm actually going to go right back to the very top. Paul Miller Racing, Corey Lewis, Maxine Martin, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow. I That is a car that I think will fly under the radar and I wouldn't surprise to see them pop up at the at the top of the list at the end of the race. So there are my three predictions. Um, but as we've made mention many times, it is GTD. You could literally, and people have fired up a random number generator and just gone based off that. And have, like, won the prediction contest because of it. So, it literally anything could happen in GTD. It is just an absolute mess in the best way possible. Guys, we're getting very close to the end here. Um, brief mention of Missile Pilot Challenge, because I know that Chris has been aching to talk about it the whole time. Uh, Chris, you're allowed to tell us three interesting things about Missile Pilot Challenge, because we've already been running for over two, two hours and 20 minutes. I can get through this really quick. Go. Right, so, uh, Roar Weekend. We got actual racing going on. BP Racing Challenge. We got two 45-minute races, LMP3 and GT4s. We got a bunch of IMSA crossover. Junior 3 Racing is racing. They're going to be in Sebring for main IMSA. Millionaire Motorsports, their ELMS LMP2 team. Kelly Moss with two cars. Sean Creech, MLT, JDC Motorsports, US Restronics. Um, they got uh, Grand Sport, which is the GT4s. Turner's in there. Um, Kelly Moss is also in there. Murillo, Canadian uh, Pride. Uh, Rebel Rock with the Camaros. Carbon with Paragon Racing. They raced GT3s last year, but now they're not. Uh, tur- and then also Multimatic Motorsports with the Ford CEO Racing um, with Jim Jim Farley. Uh, now with for Michelin Pilot Challenge, uh, 43 total entries in this. Uh, let me take a look. Basically, your typical GT4 stars. Um, some double duty Turner's Motorsports in this. Um, the, um, uh, Neil Verhagen, uh, this, that's the name that sticks out to me. He was a Red Bull Junior driver. He's racing in the BMW. Um, RS1, big stalwarts. TR3 Racing is in this. Lone Star Racing is making the IMSA comeback. Carbon, uh, Ford, GT4s, Camaros, uh, Team TGM is also in this. Crucial Motorsports is making the debut for the McLaren Artura GT4. Right, yep, that'll be the debut for that car. Then we got the uh, TCR with 12 entries in TCR. The Brian Herta Autosport uh, criminal syndicate continues uh, with like three cars. And you got LA Honda World Racing, uh, JDC Miller Motorsports. Um, the Alfa Romeo is back. Yeah. Uh, and then um, the Audi is still there with Road Shagger Racing. And then you got the uh, uh, Honda of America racing team, which is basically the people who work on that car work, work in the Honda plants, which is very cool. So that's, that's your rundown BP racing challenge this weekend at the time of this recording, Roar weekends, both Saturday and Sunday, Michelin pilot challenge the Friday before the Royal. And also uh, at Mazda MX five cup. We only need to go through the drivers because the racing is always good. You'll be entertained anyway, Thursday and Friday of Rolex weekend. You can take a breath now, Chris. That was very well. There we go. Um, I do want to just point out as well. I've just had, had a quick look at the, uh, NPC entry list, uh, trying to just have a look uh, for some interesting names. I did see um, that uh, uh, an Australian driver is on the list that really surprised me. Um, I'm just trying to find his name here. Quite a few drivers are doing double duty here as well. The the Plums are doing double duty um, that I've noticed. Uh, there's also Owen Trinkler running uh, in NPC and also the main race. Um, Spencer Pompelli is in in both cars as well as uh, Jerome Blakemolen, which is pretty cool. Um, 
But I do want to just take a moment to point out in uh, the number 33, Brian Herter Motorsport with Curb against Jajan, uh, which I always get wrong. Uh, Robert Wickens is going to be back behind the wheel right. in that car, which is, uh, if you haven't uh, heard of Robert Wickens, uh, it was an IndyCar driver who ended up getting paralyzed from the waist down after a, a crash. Um, and he's slowly been rehabilitating himself uh, and last year won a race in TCR um, behind the wheel of a modified car. So it's, it's so cool to see him back behind the wheel and and winning races. So, yeah, happy days. Yeah, and, and, uh, and just, yeah, like I said, like 24 cars in VP Racing Challenge, 43 in Michelin Pilot Challenge, and the, the, the Mazda just provides you an excellent race no matter what happens. So very interesting weekend ahead. We got both. Right, uh, and obviously qualifying. I can't forget that for the Rolex Twenty Four uh, Sunday on Roar Weekend, so which would be the twenty uh, second. Right, <laughs> like yeah. a full week. Yeah, before the checkered flag. It's, it's going to be crazy. Uh, so we are almost at the very end here. Finally, guys, where in the God's name above are we going to be able to watch this? Um, if you're outside of the US, all of the Rolex sessions will be on IMSA TV. But if you're in the the US. And also North America, where 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 should you watch this? Where should you look? Uh, so I believe it's only the U.S. and North America that's subjected subject to the geoblock. Um, so in the, if you live in the U.S., uh, the IMSA website with the event when you go to the Rolex Twenty Four event details, they'll have the, the actual TV times. I know the first hour and last hour will be on Main NBC, and the rest any coverage will be on USA. And then, obviously, full coverage, full round-the-clock coverage will be on Peacock. Um, and then for international viewers, most of you will be fine with just IMSA TV, unless you live in the Baltics, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and I believe Netherlands, as that will be geo-blocked, I believe, because of the Viaplay getting the rights there. Um, so, just, uh, just a heads up. And in Canada, is that the same as well? Uh, IMSA Canada- TV... IMSA yep. TV is not geo-blocked in Canada, so I'll be watching it 24-7, ad-free, minus whatever the IMSA radio does. Gross. <laughs> Until my internet dies. How, 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 how dare you? How dare you be able to watch all of it? Um, uh, yeah, and the rest of the world are also on IMSA TV. Uh, guys, what about getting involved around the sub? Uh, of course, we'll have our fantasy endurance competition run by MW Clarkson, so get on top of that. Um, Jeb, I'm seeing some discussion in the live chat saying that you have some sort of fantasy prediction contest? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have uh, Fantasy Michelin Pilot Challenge because it's the greatest racing series on the planet. Uh, I'm going to be honest, though, I only have room for maybe one or two more people because, A, I get sick of expending the, extending the spreadsheet, and also, I literally am running out of cars to pick. Because <laughs> we, we did it in a draft style, so oh, you okay. get three cars you keep for the year. So, it's it's real slim pickings, but... So, you might get lucky if if you if you want to jump in on that one. Um, of course, get in the, the uh, Us Ashes Racing Race Reds. Get in the uh, WC Discord as well, the um, which we'll have links to either in the race threads or in uh, you can. We're actually a public server now, so you can actually search r slash WEC on Discord and find us. Um, we are the one with the WC logo. Uh, the, well, sorry, the subreddit r slash WC logo as our header, uh, as our sorry icon. Um, and our head image changes because we're cool like that. Um, there'll be people in voice chat. There'll be a, probably a scratch pad going. So like notes going on throughout the race. There'll be people in the live thread. We've had teams in the past drop into our live threads. We had Chip Ganassi Racing 
tweet at us once, which was terrifying. We had Yoda Sport tweet at us last year, which was also terrifying. Um, so there's plenty going on. Um, and yeah, it'll be a good fun time. Guys, any final things you want to mention before we wrap up on our first podcast for 2023? It's going to be a big year. It's going to be a big year indeed. 61 cars and obviously with a robust support lineup. Here I am spoiling the party. If you can't wait for racing action, uh, Formula E is also that weekend, which is good. And then, then there's like something called the bath, uh, the Bahrain Pro-Am 1000. That's on the Saturday before the Rolex. I saw that got canceled. That got canceled today. It got canceled today. Oh wow! I'm yeah. really I'm not nobody's showing up anymore. Nobody's showing up for a Pro-Am race in Bahrain the day before the Rolex. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's very fair. So, so yeah, if basically there's, uh, I looked up the formerly E sessions do not clash with IMSA at all. So if you're also an open wheel fan, it's a robust racing weekend for you. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it'll be Daytona. Uh, there's Daytona. It's like it's it, it kicks off the year. It's going to kick off the new era of top class sports car racing. A era we've been waiting for with bated breath for almost what six seven years now. So. I'm, I'm very excited and I, I can't wait to watch some more racing with you and by the way thank you to all the people who have been listening to us um, over the course of the, the eight years I know that we not had as much content over the last six months or so life changed for a lot of us in 2022 in some very big ways and it made things very difficult um, but we're looking at how we can make endurance chat fit into our lives in a way that's fun and in a way that's easy and i hope that you stick with us for the ride because i'm excited to see what happens next uh so thank you very much for listening thank you chris for being on board absolutely thank you jeb uh josh for for joining us on your first go i hope we hear from you again and i can't wait to do a marshalling podcast with you yeah no thanks for having me I, I've, been, I've been loving it and thank you everyone for listening i've been michael zalavari hope you enjoy the rolex 24 thanks all from us peace out peace out